0: This week's episode of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by East Asia Soft and their extensive line of limited print physical games for PS4 and PS Vita. Each month, East Asia Soft releases popular indie games equipped with sleek, limited edition packaging alongside collectible extras, like original soundtracks, art books, and alternative covers, all for only $34.99 each with free shipping. Current offerings include the Korean bullet hell title Shikando Soul Eater, the Zelda inspired action adventure game Reverie, and the tower defense shooter X Morph Defense. You can find those and more at PlayAsia.com. That's play-asia.com. Use the code SACRED, that's S-A-C-R-E-D, when checking out to get $3 off your order. Why, hello there. To receive each episode of Sacred Symbols three days earlier than the public, totally ad-free. To have your questions, comments, and concerns read on the air. To hear your name in the end credits, and to score other cool perks— Please consider supporting this show on Patreon at patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand. Not only will your subscription net you benefits for Sacred Symbols and allow this show to continue into the future, but those benefits also carry over to other CLS shows too, including the video game-centric YouTube show SideQuest, the retro and nostalgia-themed podcast Knockback, and the eclectic interview series Fireside Chats. In other words, you're getting insane bang for your buck. Again, that's patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, sacred symbols and CLS couldn't and wouldn't exist. Now, onto the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, episode 3. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by the beautiful and the luxurious, Chris Reagan. Oh, how's it going, everybody? I'm beautiful. I'm you luxurious. Are. And you I are feel luxurious. good about that. Oh, my God. you're so, I'm so smitten with you. Um, <laughs> Chris, how was your weekend? It's Monday. We're recording, as we always do on Mondays. How was everything going this past weekend? Pretty good. Got a lot
1: of work done. Still, Still at the gym. Still doing that.
0: Yeah, you said you were going to the gym pretty much close to every day.
1: Yeah, now I'm starting on like uh, every every weekday pretty you do, much.
0: You doing deadlifts?
1: Uh, not quite <laughs> not yet. I think I think I've got to graduate to that, I think.
0: You're you you're already so skinny. I know we like yeah. I, I know we talked about this last week, but I'm just I'm just going to harp on it because it's not it's not really fair. You don't have to work out to to remain well, to remain yeah. svelte.
1: Well, I'm a bit of like a a skeleton, which is kind of the problem. I would kind of want to like a, just like a little bit, I don't want to be like Arnold. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I don't want to be like a like a drauger.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a great <laughs> reference. I I you know to me I I was skinny until I until I wasn't anymore. And uh, yesterday I went to an Italian restaurant with Aaron Scopa, which I think is in like Venice or Marina del Rey. It's like a really great Italian restaurant, a little expensive but very good. And I ate so much that I thought I was going to throw up. All Itali- over the table. Italian will will get you. Yeah. It's
1: just bread and amazing. It's amazing. But it's also incredibly just chock full of carbs. Yeah, it's
0: just all carbs. And uh, it's so it's so weird. Isn't it weird how for many decades, everyone thought fat was the culprit. And so they were just eating like carbs. And then everyone was, yeah. no, one, no one made the connection for decades why everyone was getting fat.
1: Fat's actually pretty good for you. In, That's in what they said. Moderate, yeah, it's, it's sugar that really kind of messes you up.
0: Right, exactly. So anyway, uh, you can look pregnant like me or you can go work out and be spelt like Chris. Chris before we get into the show this week I wanted to ask you about one specific thing I saw you t- I don't know if this is a joke or not but you tweeted out <laughs> that you had a dream or a nightmare about I have very mundane nightmares I
1: find like I'll have a nightmare where I'll-, I'll wake up and my back hurts but it's like a night but that's the dream and then I'll wake up and my back will be fine I'm like why is <laughs> why is this happening do you
0: wake up in like a cold sweat
2: like, no, it's do... just like
1: it's it's. You know how like nightmares have like the feeling of a nightmare, even sure. if nothing's necessarily happening. Yeah, like ominous. Yeah, it's like an ominous an kind urgent. of dream. But sure. like my back hurts in a dream, and it's like, what, what is this? <laughs> but I had a dream where like I, I went. It's like ah, oh, I, I have I still haven't finished the the Shadow of the Colossus remaster. I haven't beaten the last Colossus, and I remember that in a dream for some reason. I tried to play it, and every time I tried to boot it up, it was just knack.
0: And then it was, that was it. That, that was, was the, that was the dream. And now and. <laughs> <laughs> and it was horrifying that is a hard that is worse than almost any nightmare i've ever had <laughs> for any game to imagine you like your desert island game they always say but you have you're, you're stuck on a desert island but all you have is knack
1: yeah it's almost like if you if you, you were on a desert island you brought the game case and you open it up and it was like <laughs> it was like a, like a dvd like a <laughs> blue like a blu-ray of talladega Nights*.
0: <laughs> oh I haven't seen that one in a long time.
1: Didn't they bundle that with the original PS3s? I think
0: so, yeah. I think that's exact that, that's exactly right. I think they did. That's a that's a great throwback. Knack's N- funny to me because it got a sequel, so it must have sold appreciably, but yeah. I but it was also a launch game and there was nothing else to really play except for Kill Zone, so Yeah. I often wondered if you can't take – NAC became such a meme that you can't take for I, – I can't – I don't know if anyone's being serious when they talk about Knack 2 and they're talking about it in a positive way.
1: <laughs> I know. It's, it's kind of like the Smash Mouth of uh, modern video games.
0: Oh. It's really difficult. Oh, man. Smash Mouth. All right. There's a few things I want to get into before we get into the news. This is going to be an interesting episode, Chris, because we have just a little bit of news, but we have a lot of reader questions. So I think we're going to we're gonna backload with reader questions and – and or, I don't know why I keep calling them readers. They're listeners. Or viewers, it, it, it works. If you're looking at the static image on YouTube that I put up in the video, everyone's mad because if you listen to it on YouTube, it's just the static image, and, and they want us to record this video, but I just don't have, I don't have it in me. It's it's, just... it's a lot more
1: work than it and then it looks like. I think like video, like I had the same thing. I started like a a, a a bit, kind of like an occasional podcast. It was more just like if if whenever I had people over, I would like record one. Uh, is, and that, is that Snark Tank? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great name. Yeah, I love it. That's why, that's why I did it. I was like, I need to do something with his name. So it's just this really, there's only one episode right now, and it's probably going to be pretty sparse. But uh, yeah, everybody was like, why is it, why is it just like a waveform? And I'm like, it's, a, it's not easy to record a podcast.
0: It does fill me with a little bit of fury. I won't say like a lot of fury, but a little bit. Like it boils up in me where people are like insinuate that I'm lazy. Like, there's a lot of things. No, you no, can, Colin's
1: not lazy.
0: <laughs> he works constantly. There's a lot out. Like, people say a lot of things about me, and I can accept that, that people have their criticisms. But when people insinuate that it's not that hard or why don't you just do more or why are you taking the easy way out or whatever, I'm like, you have no idea what yeah. you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. So we're doing we're doing the very best we can. So I bring this up only to say that if you would prefer, I just put it on YouTube as a static image because some people just prefer YouTube or YouTube Red and they just put it on in the background. Yeah, yeah. So it's a courtesy for you guys. So I know that you guys want video of this and I wouldn't say we would never do it, but I have no plans of doing that anytime soon. And, you know, I do four shows a week. So just please God God help. It's also really convenient because we can look like total shit. (laughs) I I haven't cut my hair in like two months. Look at me. (laughs) You're a fucking moron. All right. A few notes, Chris. Sure. We got for, stuff wrong, I see. For us. I, I, we're, I'm always getting things wrong. Well, the first thing is we were talking about Red Dead Redemption last week, the first one. And we were we were wondering about options to play it. And some, some people told us, and I just wanted to put it out there, that it is available on Xbox One via backwards compatibility with Xbox 360 and also on PlayStation Now. So there are, I guess, oh, current-gen well, options yeah. for you if you want to go down that road. I think the Xbox One way would be way easier than using now
1: yeah probably um but it's it's it is still ultimately just like kind of like a backwards combat like it i would like some kind of you know uh quote unquote remaster where it's not really remastered sure. just
0: kind of up and and all that yeah maybe absolutely.
1: maybe running at 60
0: absolutely yeah i i, I assume you know we, we we went a little too or I went a little too tinfoil hat with it, where I was suggesting that maybe the the mass effect effect the mass effect effect on Andromeda with the trilogy being re released, we were talking about maybe Red Dead would look bad in comparison to Red Dead Two, but it just seems like they have other solutions. It's a similar thing about how they released the PlayStation Two classics of the Grand Theft Auto games on PS Four, kind of quietly. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's options there. So I wanted people to know that that we we did catch that. We I was talking a little bit about why Fallout has this dissonance between the 50s, like the 50s aesthetic and then the technology in it, but it takes place in the future. Someone wrote in and said that in the Fallout universe, this is all explained because the microprocessor was never invented in that universe. Oh. And that doesn't, I, I accept that that might be part of the lore, but that doesn't make any sense because you can't have a personal computer or a robot without a microprocessor. So I don't, you could, I guess, have vacuum tubes in a and ro, some robots, but you those little computers you hack in the game, wouldn't be possible without a microprocessor so that's not satisfactory to me <laughs> and I'm sure I'll hear and I'm sure I'll hear more from you guys about that and finally we were talking about um, licensed movies licensed TV shows a lot of people wrote in and suggested the Castlevania anime series on Netflix stuff
1: I heard that but it's all but it's also worth noting that that is the that's like an exception like the rule still very much is video game oriented uh, or
0: like video game based TV and movies are pretty yeah. <sighs> <laughs> exactly. A broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Which is my favorite saying of all time. And I say it constantly. It's a good one. Chris, we played some games this past week. We'll talk about those. Before we do, I just want to thank everyone again for their kind words. I know we did this last week. I won't continue to make this a trend, but we are gathering new listeners that are kind of slowly coming around to that we're doing a PlayStation show. So I want to continue guys to or continue to thank you guys rather for your kindness, your generosity, your support of us, not only on the free feeds, but obviously on Patreon. Lots of people are joining. Collins Last Stand's Patreon to get the show three days early. Uh, People are asking about Spotify feeds submitted, can't do anything about it. And people are wondering, why isn't the new podcast in the iTunes feed or whatever? Those enter on Friday. Remember, you have to be a patron to get the the show on time, quote unquote, for three days. So just wanted to clarify those things. Chris, it says here you're playing three games, a trilogy of games here. Well, actually, you're literally playing a trilogy, but you're playing two other games yeah so talk to me about what you've been playing the last week
1: so i've i've been continuing on with prey but it's it's it is i am starting to kind of really not look forward to it because i just i keep wrestling with the controls i don't know what it is i I think it's because i'm trying to play too many things but the controls in that game are very particular and i just i every time i go back to it I, i can't snap my mind back in quickly enough that it that it isn't like a jarring experience but i've it's good i enjoy it it's just like the just wish the controls were just a little better. I've been going back to uh, the Crash trilogy because I haven't uh, trying to get all the gems because I'm a bit of a weirdo.
0: Are you playing it on PS4 or Switch? Uh,
1: I actually just got it on Switch for like portable stuff, but I'm playing the PS4 one is the one I'm trying to do all the cool all the stuff
0: on. That's a tough one.
1: Yeah, it's a... <laughs> I like it though. It's fun. And uh, Beat Saber, which is actually coming to PSVR, I don't know when, but I'm playing it on Vive right now, and it's just. It's so good. Very cool. I'm so excited for that to come to PSVR because I want to have like a a living room version of that because it's so, so good.
0: It looks oh. awesome. Yeah, it looks, it looks cool. And, and it's so funny you say that because Aaron and I were talking. I don't have my PSVR out because it's such a mess of wires. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's like not... It's a cool thing. It would be an awesome thing to have as like a centerpiece of a living room, like a conversation piece. And it, but it's just not elegant enough. I think it will be when, you know, whatever iteration they release with the next console, which I think there's going to be a new VR headset. Yeah, But you know, they got to get rid of that processor box and there's too many, like, you know, maybe have one or maybe one cord that, yeah. So it it kind of, Vacation Simulator is actually the game that I'm really looking forward to that I want (laughs) to plug my, because I love Job Simulator. I think that game's so funny and like so exactly what I want out of VR, something whimsical and stuff. So yeah, that would be, Beat Saber's another great game that would probably convince me to put, they're, they're releasing PSVR games every week still, so.
2: Yeah,
1: but I would recommend that like wholeheartedly.
0: Let me ask you about Crash Insane Trilogy before we move on. How are you fine like are you fine? I, I bought it or actually I got a code for it for last year and played the first one I haven't played the crash game since I was in you know high school oh. and and I'm not a huge fan now and I, and I don't I don't think that they are exceptionally great games, but how do you feel because you obviously love them? <laughs> yeah and yeah. but how do you feel that they hold up? Do you feel like this is a this is a, this 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 reimagining of it is is faithful? I think so. I think it's I think it's definitely a faithful game. It's it's definitely a game of
1: its age. You know, it's not uh it's not amazing by today's standards. It was and you know, it's it, you just kind of have to kind of accept that when you're looking at a a faithful remaster. Um I'm expecting very similar feelings about the Spyro trilogy when that comes out, which I'm pretty excited for. But it's just I don't know. I I think it's I I associate those games with like a really like just kind of like a nice time where like nothing was too crazy sure you know it's just like ah it's just the music's nice and it just feels good to play
0: and it's hard i mean the and first, it's hard the first one's in, insanely hard yeah the first one's very hard i remember them saying when i interviewed uh, i interviewed like 18 people for the history of naughty dog when i was at ign and i was interviewing guys that worked on the first game and they were talking about like how insane like they made a huge mistake making it that hard and <laughs> no, I, 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 like, I like that about it. I, I do too. I think that part of the part of it's like a depth perception thing with some of the parts of the game, like when you're on that bridge and you're trying to jump forward and stuff. I, the I, the I bridge understand. is, is the, the the level. Yeah. So I tried to go into it with an open mind. It's still sitting on my cross media bar or whatever you would call it on PlayStation four, but I just haven't gotten back to it because it just it, it hasn't drawn me in. That's I never had a love for it. I never had an affinity for it. It was it was always one of those it's one of those games similar to. Maybe Demon Souls and Dark Souls, where I'm like, I don't, I wish I understood this because I feel like you're missing something when you when you don't understand it. I'll say Crash Crash is a game that I like uh, despite its flaws. You know, I just
1: kind of like, I just it makes me happy to look at it and like play it and like hear the the sound design and all that. I will say there are very few games that are like of that era that I think would would hold up. I think I'm going to go on a tangent on this again. I think Crash Team Racing would absolutely hold up. 100% 100% control that game controls like a dream and you're, I
0: bet it still would you're hitting that you're you're beating that drum and I respect I that I want people to hear this I it is it is surprising that they I mean I, I guess it's not surprising it's a, it's an investment and they would have had yeah, to have yeah. a team do it but it would have been a cool kind of pre-order bonus or something or just a game that you sold separately yeah with the trilogy itself yeah. but I, I I'm sure they looked into it and maybe there's bigger issues at play I don't know yeah probably For me, I've been playing three games. I've still been playing Fallout 4, still very slowly working through it, but there's some gravity to it where I keep coming back. Yeah. I think I'm eventually going to get knocked off of it because other games are coming out. I'm most imminently waiting for Mega Man X Legacy Collection, which I should get codes for any moment now, and the trophies are live, so it's it's coming. It's good, and I'm excited about that, but Fallout 4 has been keeping me busy. 20XX I've been playing. I played that for the first time on PC like three years ago, and I don't know if it was in beta or whatever. I don't know if you've seen this game. I've never heard of it. It's pretty cool. It's a procedurally generated side-scroller, and it's heavily inspired by Mega Man, specifically Mega Man X, hence the name. But you're basically trying to go through like a series of procedurally generated stages that throw bosses at you in different orders and stuff and try to do it quickly and try to survive like one hit like one death and then you're right. over and then you go back to the beginning so similar in a lot of ways to other roguelikes and stuff but it's it's got that Mega Man hook it feels really good but i find it, it it's not it's surprisingly not it's not what i look for in a Mega Man game i'm not looking for like to beat a high score or to beat a time i like playing them fast and fluidly but it's not quite it, so it scratches that gameplay itch for me, but it doesn't scratch like the reason that I play Mega Man. So I'm not right. like, as drawn into it as I thought I would be. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were recommending it to me, and, and I wanted to give that a shout-out. And finally, and I, I went to my phone here because I wanted to get the guy's name. A guy named Barry M. Johnson is a Patreon supporter of Colin's Last Stand and sent me randomly on like Friday, I think, a code for a game he made. The game is called Perils of Baking. And which is an amazing name. When I saw when I saw when I saw the name, I was like, "What the hell is this?" He's one one guy that made up. It's a pretty crude, two D side scroller, kind of in the vein, as he would say, in like super of Super Mario World, but certainly not Super Mario World. But it's like thirty or forty stages, and you're—I you, don't even know what the hell is going on in the game. You're basically like a, a baking a baker of some sort, and you like collect like sweets and all the stuff in the stages as you're just going through and getting to the next stage and so on and so forth.
1: So it's like a, like a like an NES fever dream. Kinda. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's 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 very true to that aesthetic, very true to that gameplay. It feels good. It doesn't look very good. Yeah. And I, I'm not necessarily recommending it. I actually think it's a little expensive for what it is, but. I wanted to give a shout-out to Barry for sending the game. I thought it was pretty cool. I ended up platinuming it. It wasn't like I didn't go out of my way to do it. I just played it one night and got the platinum trophy. And I want to thank him. I thanked him privately, but wanted to thank him for sending that code. And to remind anyone, because we've, you know, people have been reaching out to me privately, developers, big and small, congratulating us for the show. And so I wanted to throw out there that if anyone wants us to play something, check out check something out, you can always contact us on Twitter or on Patreon. Patreon would probably be the best. You don't have to be a patron to contact me there. Send us some codes and we'll check out your game. I can't guarantee. We'll talk about it. I can't guarantee we're gonna yeah, like yeah. it, but we would love to be exposed to more of these smaller games on PSN. So if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, then you know feel free to send us a code just like Barry did with Perils of Baking.
1: I think I saw. I, saw, I think I saw that in my email, but it was like my my email has been swamped, insane. I feel like I got to like change email addresses. Do you, are you? I'm still on the one that I've had for like 10 years. Yeah,
0: that's rough because if you're not, I'm, again, we were talking beforehand. I'm very OCD. So whenever I get a random piece of spam, I make sure to go in and unsubscribe from it and like block it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you do that? Because otherwise you find yourself, it's like (sighs) collapsing on top of you. I guess I don't. (laughs) I guess I I just haven't. You got to be vigilant. Yeah, I got to get around to it. In the digital space, you have to be vigilant. Remember, I gave you the max, on the first episode, I gave you the maximum amount of freedom to do whatever you want so make sure you do <laughs> make sure you get rid of the spam if you want to exercise the freedom in that way now there are only well there are more pieces of news than I thought but none of this is ex- exceptionally important no but I feel like we should talk about it just to catch everyone up on what's going on I didn't know about this first one at yeah, all so, so this is an interesting one and if you haven't seen it yet I, I recommend everyone go out and see it it says actor Nathan Fillion perhaps best known in nerd circles for his role on Firefly and Serenity as well as their long running show Castle which I've never seen released what is in essence a high-end 15-minute uncharted fan film with Philian taking on the role of Nathan Drake. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. I watched I watched like the first 3 minutes of it and then I just scrubbed through the rest of it because yeah. like I- it's very well done and very interesting. I don't know to what end this was done or if Sony, who's notorious about going after people for shit, is going to let this stand because he's famous. Mm. But I it, there's a big thing in the beginning like it's una- unaffiliated with Naughty Dog, unaffiliated with Sony. If this was someone else, Sony would squash this in two seconds. But so I'll be interested to see what they make of this. But it's very high budget, or it looks very high budget, and it's very very interesting. That
1: sounds cool. I love Nathan Filling.
0: It's just it's just an interesting thing in in stark contrast to what we were talking about last week about yeah you know and to what we were saying earlier about um, Castlevania the show on on Netflix you know this this looks like a real but
1: well I, that's what I, I think like short form like fan films and stuff like that actually do work pretty often. Like, for that kind of – for video games. It's just when you try to, like, take it to, like, a, a long-running show
0: or, like, a feature film
1: when it kind of – what is this? Yeah, <laughs> you know?
0: it's, it's – it's maybe Uncharted is one of the few properties where it would make some sense if you told, like, a different story. Like, a you know, they're all different and, and wrapped up, encapsulated stories. So maybe you can do it. And maybe I, – I wasn't really sold on the resemblance to Drake. I think that's important. In, yeah. yeah. But it, but the, the clothing was right. The bad guys were right. The setting's right. You know, they're in this beautiful villa, beautiful shot, like, you know, aerial drone shots and, and all these, you know, it, it, I was impressed. I mean, it costs money to do this. I don't know. I don't know what, why. But That's cool, man. I got to check it out. Yeah, check it out. Everyone out there, go ahead and check that out if it hasn't been taken down already. Number two is uh, Shuhei Yoshida, Sony's president of Worldwide Studios, gave a talk at developer Brighton in the UK where he made note of Sony's lack of success when it comes to multiplayer exclusives. Yoshida was pitched a question about the dissonance between Sony's first-party move towards amazing single-player experiences, while the industry as a whole migrates towards multiplayer and games-as-a-service type titles. He said, quote, Making games of any type nowadays is difficult, but this is the area in which our studios have a chance to push this art forward, not to follow successes in the market, but to follow their hearts. It just so happens that we are fortunate to have these teams to push forward with these types of games, end quote. And it's worth noting that that's a little bit of a fragment so that's not a consecutive quote. I just don't want to say quote, end quote, quote, end quote, quote yeah, end yeah. 5,000 times, even though I just did. What do you make of this? Do you think that there's, and I think we've touched on this, and you and I have certainly talked about it privately, but there does seem to be a massive gap for a big multiplayer PlayStation AAA exclusive. Do you think that Sony would be wise to go down that path with one of its developers? Or do you think that they kind of have a good thing going here? I mean, they do have a good thing going with their studios right now without going...
1: Yeah, I, with- I, I don't know. I, th- I think they do have a good thing going. And I, th- I think um, th- the fact that they don't focus on that, I think, is what kind of sets them apart and what almost makes them unique in a way. Because I think Microsoft actually has the opposite problem, where they focus really, really heavily on multiplayer, almost to, like, a fault. Um, and, like, like, I'm pretty sure a lot of the exclusives for the Xbox and, and the Windows Store are, are solely based on... You don't go there looking for, like, a quality single-player experience. You go there, it's like State of Decay. It's like, oh, it's buggy. Hey, you can play it with your friends. Hey, Crackdown 3's multiplayer, you know? Halo's obviously, like, a multiplayer staple. And, uh, you know, that kind of, after a while, that kind of blends in with everything. So I think the fact that you can push out, again, like, God of War or Last of Us, and I mean, Last of Us has multiplayer, but right. it's let's on. be real, it's a single-player game. Sure, of course. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's to their benefit. You
0: know? Yeah, I do too. I think it, I think it is a great differentiator. I don't think it would hurt them to get, you know, if not do a A exclusive first party game, they can have a relationship like Insomniac's making Spider-Man, which is not a first party studio, but that's a first party game. They could have a relationship like that. They're just gonna have to pay. But I do agree with you that the idea of cannibalizing what they have with multiplayer games that take a lot of attention and maybe not as much money necessarily would probably be a mistake, and they also don't really have the studio set up right now to accommodate that kind of game. Like they, the, the studios that they used to own that could do this kind of game best don't exist anymore. And you can go all the way back to like Incognito, which did Warhawk and Twisted Metal and all that yeah, kind of shit. Yeah. They would obviously be more, you know, um, forged in that multiplayer fire. Zipper doesn't exist anymore. The guys that did SOCOM and MAG and Unit 13, they would probably be able to do that. Guerrilla Cambridge, which did, you know, most recently did Rigs. And did zone on Vita and stuff like that? They would maybe be able to do that, but they don't exist anymore. Yeah, it's like it's, it, over and over. Evolution doesn't exist anymore. They you know they <laughs> used to do multiplayer racing games. So. It's it's tricky.
1: It's it's a weird. Um, I think if they were ever going to go down that road, they would be wise to um, pay as much attention to that game as possible. Because the, if you're going to put out a multiplayer game on a on on the PS4 exclusively, I think it would also have to have that draw that the PS4 is is known for, which is like polish, like insane levels of polish. I don't think you could get away with like a PUBG tier multiplayer right. PS4 exclusive on. I-, I just don't. I don't see that selling. Right. You know, I, I, people yeah. people go to PlayStation for that polished kind of experience, and if you can't replicate that through a- in a multiplayer game, at least at least in some form, uh, be it animations or or just graphical fidelity or, or
0: anything, then I would. I don't know. I would maybe not jump. <laughs> I'd also argue that there's no, you know, well, I'd argue two things at the same time. One, because of the third, the robust third-party offerings on PlayStation Four, there's no need to compete with yeah. them with the Destinies and the Divisions and the sieges. They, they, that should already exist. There's yeah. no reason for Sony to get and they have in like,
1: so, and, and especially with like, uh, and Destiny and and other games have, I'm pretty sure they have some exclus exclusivity with PS4. right? Yeah, they yeah. Like Destiny specifically like does get things first. Yeah,
0: and some, and I think some pure exclusives like weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah. But I would also argue, I would also make the other argument, not to say that the audience for consoles don't ebb and flow, but they do remain pretty consistent in what they're looking for. I think Mm -hmm. you can kind of identify what a Nintendo fan looks for, for instance, or an Xbox fan. And I think PlayStation did try for several years on PS3 to to exist in this world. Now, they were a little premature to it, and I think that they were cannibalizing a lot of their own games. But when you think about you know, the Twisted Metal game that came out on PS3, when you think about MAG, when you think about even games like PlayStation All-Stars and all these kinds of things that they tried, Mod Nation Racers, th- there's like a lot of things they tried that no one cared about. And then so to say, like, where are the kart racers, like we were talking about last week, or yeah. where are the multiplayer games? It's like, well, they did have a robust offering of these games. I'm not saying that they were the best, but that was during a time when they were trying to throw everything at the wall and almost nothing but their single-player games stuck, and now here you are. Yeah, you know, that, so so I'm cool with it. I think the only studios that they have that could really do multiplayer properly, like in a big way, would be Guerrilla, mm-hmm. but they're not going to do that. You know, they're obviously doing Horizon and Polyphony with Gran Turismo, but I think that they would be wiser to make Gran Turismo into a platform. Yeah, so like a game is. This, yeah, why release these new? Yeah, I. Uh... Forza does it. With multiple studios, but I I think that the bottom's gonna fall out there. And if you just make a robust like a PS5 Gran Turismo game that's free, and then you go in and you can just buy whatever you want, little bits at a time for ten years, that'd be pretty cool. I think. I think so.
1: Yeah. It's a big I think risk. especially with that kind of game, I think you know. When there's not, like, a heavy focus on story or,
0: or any kind of, you know, right.
1: there's no lore to Gran Turismo. Yeah, no, you can't really build off of it, the so no, you might as
0: well build off of it as, like, a service. No Gran Turismo lore, indeed. There probably is. We're probably going to get someone to right. message us the fan fiction for <laughs> how this Honda Civic fucked this, this Nissan Altima. <laughs> Number three. As of the recording of this podcast, Sony's corporate stock is at the highest point it has been in more than a decade with a total market value of some $65 billion, making it the most valuable Japanese electronics maker for the first time since 2003. Sony's success is attributed to entertainment like movies and TV, music, and yes, indeed, video games. The leadership of Kaz Hirai and more recently, Kenichiro Yoshida is highly credited for the turnaround with stock up around 15% this year alone. So pretty interesting. I don't own Sony stock, so I don't really give a shit, but this is an interesting story about the financial and long-term health of sony because people might forget and i'm sure you remember yeah sony was, was like, in bad shape yeah it was like rec- not, not too long ago
1: really no right.
0: it was like during the ps3 era especially during the, the recession compounded with the ps3 era and not, the ps3 not doing well and i think also compounded somewhat with sony's heavily involved in financial services and like banking weird financial shit in japan that i think that they took a hit on and since they're a japanese company they're always having to convert in and out of yen which really hurts them a lot too So when the Yen's really strong, it's really great for them, and when it's really weak, it's not. So there's a lot of mitigating factors here, and it's not a super important story, but it does show that Sony's rebounding as an entity, which is great. Yeah. Number four, similar to Joel's and Ellie's relationship in the original The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part II's older Ellie will in turn have a constant, or at least near-constant, AI-controlled companion. Neil Druckmann confirmed the news to BuzzFeed. He said, quote, well, Ellie used to be an NPC, but she's the protagonist in this story, so the player is controlling Ellie. It's safe to say with the game that we made in the past that there will be some NPC with you in the story, even though we're not showing the NPC in this demo, end quote. What do you make of that? I'm a little disappointed to hear that. You think so? Yeah, really? personally. I think it opens up the idea of maybe more seamless co-op gameplay in the game, but no. I don't. I think things are scarier when you're alone.
1: Yeah, no, I I do agree with that, but at the same time, it's like a, a big draw for The Last of Us was that kind of NPC relationship. You know, this this I feel like the story did a lot of the lifting in that game, and and that's a lot of the story came from the person that was with you the whole time. Sure, but so, what could,
0: but could the argument be made? I don't know if this resonates with you, but that we only cared because Ellie was a little girl and she was helpless. Now that Ellie's an adult, like is she? If the person she's with is not equally as helpless, and like it was cool seeing her stick a, a knife into someone, or like jump on someone because it was, like, so wild. But I I guess what I'm saying is, like, I need someone that's in a state of vulnerability with me for me to recapture that feeling. Otherwise, it's just a dude that's distracting me, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think, personally, I would have... I don't know. I I do think it would have been probably wise to maybe evolve a little bit and have the player by themselves. But I feel like, again, (laughs) I feel like a lot of story happened while you were doing nothing in that game. You how like, when... Anytime you'd be walking in between set pieces or events, a lot of story would happen while you were just walking right. because of the interactions between the NPCs. That's a great point. So I feel like that's also, it's just kind of like in their
0: script formula, really. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you might have convinced me that I'm maybe jumping the gun there. That's not, a, that's not a bad point. I want The Last of Us 2 to be, or The Last of Us Part 2 to be great. Yeah. And I think it's going to be nothing short of staggering. I have no doubt about that. But I wonder, it see I don't know if you agree, but it seems like people are just a little harder on this one. Like just in, in the what I'm reading about it, what I'm seeing about it the kind of people feel like it's a little one note and a little dark and i'm like but that seems to be the theme of
1: yeah, the game I, I, yeah i don't really know i think i think because the first last of us didn't have an expectation really like you saw and you were like oh that looks cool but th- there wasn't it wasn't like a sequel so you didn't have anything to live up to really you had uncharted i guess to live up to but it's a different is very obviously a very different take a very different game so I feel like now when you have a I think anytime you have a sequel to like something that was like earth-shattering people are going to be a little bit more uh you know scrutinizing. I know I was before I saw the E3 trailer. Right. right. I was like ah this is going whatever.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's certainly I give I give Neil, you know, a lot of credit because it's a tough act to follow. I I know that they weren't necessarily going to do a sequel and even though the game sold really well that there's no necessity for it. Yeah. So it's I like that they were like, you know, what, we'll do it. We, we, you know, Drake's Fortune is not considered the great uncharted game, you know. Among Thieves is. How about some sales? Yeah. Sony has revealed the best-selling digital games from the PlayStation Network for the month of June 2018. The top 10 best-selling PS4 games from the PlayStation Store were in order: Grand Theft Auto V. That's is, insane to yeah. me. That's
1: insane. Yeah, it's nuts. That's insane. How long ago? 2013. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Five Jesus years ago. Christ. Almost five years ago now. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was mid-September. I was in Japan when it came out. And I think it was mid-September because I was at TGS. Oh, that's
1: mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little annoying actually, but no. But grand, grand the photo <laughs> five, FIFA 18, God of War, The Last of Us Remastered, Detroit: Become Human, Mortal Kombat XL, Jurassic World Evolution, which I heard was terrible. Horizon Zero Dawn completely. Really, edition. I heard it was good. Really, I heard it was. I, it's getting bad reviews. Oh, sh- oh no! Did, did you did you hear it was? Who told you it was good? Maybe I've heard right. like
1: a lot of friends of mine saying they're having a lot of fun. Having a, I guess having a lot of fun and good are two different things. They
0: are. It reminds me a little bit of what was that Metal Gear Survive game that came out some months ago that, like, no one talks about anymore? Yeah. But some people, like, really liked it. So it's it's hard to... I'm it, actually interested in playing it, but I'm not going to pay more. I won't pay a penny more than four ninety nine for Metal Gear Survive. Yeah,
1: that's a fair, a fair assessment.
0: Let me look up, though, while we're here. I want to just see... Um, the reviews the, for... Yeah, what I'm, I'm on my phone, and I'm just looking up the Metacritic. Right. Oh, I mean, it has a 71. I guess it's not as bad as I thought. So, no, that's, I mean, I'm wrong. That's on PC, but it's, uh, yeah, 7.1. What else is on this list? Oh, uh, rounding out the list is Minecraft and Gran Turismo Sport. So people are still buying Minecraft, of course, which is a Microsoft. uh, I love that Microsoft is selling games on. That is insane.
1: What (laughs) a It's
0: very weird. (laughs) I know that Minecraft is huge, and I think it would be cutting off your nose to spite your face, but wouldn't you want to make that an Xbox exclusive? Like, wouldn't, if you were like, like, wouldn't you just be like, why wouldn't we lock this up? No, I don't think so.
1: No, because then, because then you would have to like, take it off of platforms that are, already have it, True. which would be a nightmare.
0: Yeah, that would suck. Or you could just not update them anymore.
1: It's still, I, it would st- I think that would be like a firestorm of bad PR. You're making a lot of great points
0: today, though, that are convincing me that I'm wrong about everything I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Your feelings are invalid. Uh, as far as the top five PSVR downloads, Job Simulator, Superhot VR, Drive Club VR, Rick and Morty Virtual Reality, and Doom VV- uh, VFR were the top five downloads. As far as free-to-play games on PS4, H1Z1, Fortnite, (sighs) Fallout, Shelter, Brawlhalla, and Paladins were the top five. And then on Vita, Stardew Valley, God of War Collection, Metal Gear Solid HD Collection, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, and Odin Sphere Life Riser, I think I'm saying that right, were the top five PS Vita downloads. And as far as PlayStation Classics are concerned, Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, Destroy All Humans 2, Psychonauts, Destroy All Humans 1, and Bully were the top five sellers. Ah,
1: man, I love... uh... Strong Humans just makes me happy. I'm really I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, yeah, those
0: games, people people are churning through those PS2 classics, especially because they're trophy-enabled on PS4, so that's actually getting yeah. people to go back and play them, which is cool. I wish they would do the same thing for PS1. I want Castlevania Symphony of the Night with trophies like you wouldn't Oh, believe. my God. So, that's such a good game. Oh, I threw out this note too quickly. I don't know why I did that. There we go. Uh, next piece of news. Bethesda Game Studios director Todd Howard. Had some powerful advice for anyone wondering why Bethesda keeps re-releasing Skyrim. Lots of folks are playing it. In a conversation with Jeff Keighley at Barcelona, Spain's Game Lab, Howard said, quote, Even now, the amount of people who play Skyrim seven years later, millions of people every month are playing that game. That's why we keep releasing it. If you want us to stop releasing it, stop buying it. End quote. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's valid. Couldn't, couldn't put it any more perfectly I than I that. fault him for that, honestly. But it does bring up, Chris, for me, what we were talking about with Fallout 3 in New Vegas, particularly Fallout 3 because they made it. They they could give that game the same treatment. Skyrim's on the same engine running on the same console, so they do give Skyrim like a special amount of love that they don't give the other game they made on the platform, and yeah. I found that weird.
1: I think because uh, like Fallout Three was, I think it was big f- in in the culture, like in the in the video game sphere. I think, but like people, I, I feel like Skyrim in 2011 was like Fortnite today like you would just hear about it like walking to the walking to like a, a, a convenience store right. like just like on a train or something you know it was just like ubiquitous that game and i think that's part part of the reason you know I, i'm sure fall 3 is like insanely popular and a lot of people are playing it but i'm i'm i have no doubt that skyrim is like dwarfed that especially because of like the modding capabilities on pc and all that it was like infinitely moddable
0: yeah it's cool it's yeah people are doing wild shit into it too. I, I i do like his candor though of just being like just stop buying like they he's he's literally telling you to stop buying his game yeah his like game. Just, don't,
2: just don't
0: I'm sure that's they're, they're sick of you know they want to move on to what's next to yeah. although external studios are obviously porting it to all these things like like uh switch but yeah I loved that quote it was yeah. very candid I like Todd Howard because he's one of the only people that says anything
1: yeah I always feel weird because I'm like, ah, I like I like that guy but everybody's like you should you, why you like Todd Howard like, I don't know
0: <laughs> yeah why wouldn't you what, it just what, seems like all people have a problem with Todd Howard people have a problem with everybody yeah, that's true <laughs> That's true today i was I tweeted out because it's we're recording this on Amazon Prime day, and I made the mistake of clicking on the prime day hashtag and it's just incredible meltdowns
1: what's going on what do you mean what's going on
0: people it's just like well, there's a group of people that don't want that hate Amazon and then there's a group of people that hate Amazon because they don't treat their employees well and then there's a group of people that hate Amazon because the site's down, and then there are a group of people that hate Amazon because they're not selling cool stuff on prime day and yeah. it's just like. The outrage over everybody and everything—it's yeah, yeah. actually—I—I I said on Twitter, I'm a pretty dour person, and I can't even feign that level of outrage about this much shit. Like, yeah, it's, not no, even it's, po- it's not possible. It's impossible. It's, it's
1: just—it's just like an everlasting chasm of pessimism.
0: It's it, like I—I—I I, I gravitate towards pessimism, and I understand that natively. Yeah, I really do. I get it. But I just—there are people on Twitter and on on social media that are just so miserable. Go—I read some of these people's feeds that I don't even follow once in a while. I just see them. and I just—it's just. It's just so many, and I'm not even talking about just video games. There's so many complaints. Yeah,
1: no, I, I have a lot of. I have down. a lot of people that I know in real life that I love in real life, but I just can't. I can't. I can't deal with the tweets. I just can't. It's like a separate. It's like a. It's like it's like they took like a part of their personality that like is is upset with everything and just like put gave it a life on this platform
0: (laughs) it's it's bizarre right i used to be so much worse on twitter like five years ago
1: i made a pact with myself it's just like i'm just i'm just gonna like try and keep it light
0: yeah you you don't i like that you don't tweet very often which is which is great because then when you say something it first of all i see it because it rises on the algorithm but also it's like it's more powerful that way yeah i think so too and then your girlfriend Lacey actually tweeted out something interesting the other day too where she was like kind of quoting people asking her like, "Are you dead?" And people just assume that because she's not on Twitter. Yeah. It's like this is this is this your like vital sign now for the world? If you don't tweet out for two I do weeks, have you're that dead. Anxiety. I do have that anxiety. I'm like,
1: uh, oh man, I haven't posted today because <laughs> because you, you have this thing. It's like, am I still alive right.
0: <laughs> in these people's consciousness? It's like the Matrix. this is a brief piece of news but what i'm very excited about and this just confirms what we already knew but ubisoft has confirmed what we already knew the division two like the original division right the original division excuse me can be played entirely alone from beginning to end and everything in between hallelujah that's good can't wait really excited about that this next story is a weird one did you see anything about this this is a weird ass (laughs) story all right let's tell the let's tell the audience before we dissect yeah When Aliens Colonial Marines was released in 2013, it was widely panned as being a mediocre at best game, though many people thought it was outright bad. The reason for that, at least in part, was because of the game's weak enemy AI, which apparently might have something to do with a single spelling (laughs) error in the game's code that had gone unnoticed until a few days ago. We're talking about five years this has been out. It's insane. A modder parsing through the game's PC code noticed a .ini file that misspelled the word tether, throwing in an unneeded A. When the error was fixed, the game's AI started behaving differently more logically and aggressively. While this doesn't make the game good or even decent, it does improve the AI, at least marginally, according to tests conducted by Kotaku, and others have confirmed this. How such an error slipped through for so long and went unupdated is anyone's guess, though you'll obviously not be able to mess with the INI file on the console game. That'll be up to Gearbox Software and its development partners to fix, if they ever will. The PC iteration of the game has gone unupdated in any official capacity in five years to the month. The last patch was launched on July of 2013. Uh, What do you make of this? This is unbelievable because... It's uh, impressive. Gearbox has this reputation beginning with this game Mm -hmm. of not being very good. Yeah. And I don't understand because it's not about the spelling error. It's that no one that worked on the game looked at it and was like, the AI is not acting properly. There has to be a problem. Because the AI, and then no one ran some sort of test on the code, and like nothing popped up, and and it took a modder five years later to be like, this is misspelled in the code, and this is why the AI doesn't act right. That's it's, fucking weird. It, it's insane, honestly.
1: Baff. It, it blows my. Like I have a, I don't know, I I, t- I have a weird relationship with Gearbox because of that game, because that game looked so cool in the uh, in the marketing material, and the stuff that they showed. I was just so
0: so sad. <laughs> that game kind of was just so depressing. I will say that I was at New York Comic Con. I want to say in 2012, and they were showing it for the first time at like some off-site thing that I went to, and I didn't write anything about it because I just didn't care. But the game they showed, they had the actors in and everything, and like it was cool. They had a little round yeah. table, and the game looked great. Yeah, and I'm not. I like Alien. I'm not like a huge fan. No, I'm not a huge fan either. I like I just thought it
1: I just thought the game looked really, really cool.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and I I, I know that Gearbox didn't make this alone and that they they kind of you know sourced it out and sega yeah, was involved was... in this and a lot of the rumors are that you know I, who knows if it's substantiated or not that they kind of like took the money from sega and then kind of like used some of it maybe for battleborn while they shipped this off to what was that what was that studio's name i can't even remember it oh, i'll I remember it as it's, we it's as we so record. long ago at this point but i it's just it really is an impressive and i would even dare say depressing thing <laughs> that no, it's not that the it's not that there was a mistake in the code, it's that no one looked at the game and said like there's something wrong with the game. I think there
1: was a lot wrong with the game and they were like we just got to get this out. Honestly, is what it reads to me like if if you miss if you miss something that that odd a spelling error, you know? It's a bit- in, in a code directly relating to AI when the AI is like one of the main things wrong with it, it just it just says to me that they weren't looking that closely at the AI because they were just focused on getting the thing out the door in time
0: it's yeah you're absolutely you're it's just weird it is <laughs> and you know sega's as much to blame i think about that as gearbox as gearbox because it's it's just i don't know it's just a little it's just a little weird to me and i'm just going through some of this text here to make sure because i could have sworn that there was like another studio on this but i'm not seeing oh Timegate. yeah i don't know so who knows there was so much drama around that. Yeah. And I kind of felt bad for Randy Pitchford, but the ironic thing is Gearbox hasn't done anything like worthwhile since Borderlands 2. And yeah. it's been a long time. Well they
1: say they're working on Borderlands 3 now. Which right? they should have been working on immediately. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm totally dry on that, by the way. I don't think I care.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I I, I go back once in a while and play Borderlands 2. Does they never yeah. beat it. And it's a great game. Yeah. Like it's there's something about it. It was even great on Vita. It wasn't it wasn't uh like the enemies disappeared when you killed them because the ram couldn't take it, and there was no like blood effects and stuff. But it was, and I think they even scaled down the enemy numbers and stuff. But it was yeah. like it was like it really. I I know people that worked on it, and it's actually a really impressive thing that they got it running on Vita at all. Yeah,
1: no, it's a good game, honestly. Yeah, but, but like I just it's been yeah. so long at this
0: point. I agree. It's just you want them to do well. Yeah, and I just, I saw that. And I'm like, that's fucking nuts. That's like the cherry on top of that whole story. Yeah, like it took years, because it was so people were so outraged in 2013 about it. Then it kind of got silent. And that is just the shit cherry on top of the shit cake.
1: I'm surprised that it took five years for a person to find it when it, it's it, it, the game's not even at all relevant now. You'd think that somebody like a modder would have found it back then.
0: Right. Almost. Right. Yeah, it, that's a great point. It, it's, it's crazy. It, some, wow. some nerd out there is still playing Alien, Colonial Marines. Cool. Neil Marine. it's cool. <laughs> all right. There's just a few uh, small items to wrap up here before we get into the games that are coming out. Let's get going. Sleek and slick-looking side-scrolling action game Dead Cells is coming to PlayStation 4 on August 7th. I want to tell the audience, and I want to tell you too, Chris, this game looks fucking great. Really? You guys got to go check this game out. Yeah, it's called Dead Cells. Not to be confused with the Papa Roach song Dead Cell oh my God. from the first record. <laughs> Immersive underwater survival game Subnautica is coming to PlayStation 4 this holiday season, and we'll have a limited edition physical version, should you want to get in on that. Far Cry 5's already announced Lost on Mars DLC pack now has a release date and price. Um, you can look for that soon on PS4 for 9.99. I think it's actually this week. And it's also part of the game Season Pass. Ooh. Darksider, Darksiders 3 developer Gunfire Games, which we were just talking about last week, has yeah. another game in development. It's called Remnant from the Ashes and it's a third-person survival action shooter due out in 2019. That's just a lot of words. And vampire-soaked action RPG Code Vane has been delayed out of its September release date and won't launch until 2019. That's a Bandai Namco game that looks pretty cool. All right. Before we go, I did have two other items that I wanted to recommend people to just read. Um, there's a Eurogamer article about Dead, uh, Dead Space 4. In there, they basically talk about, they interview people that worked on it about what they wanted to do with the game. And I was going to make that into a news item, but it's so long, you guys should just read it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's about how they wanted to make it kind of like nonlinear and a little bit open, like not open worldish, but like kind of give you o- like choices and options and stuff. And then uh, Eurogamer also had, um, no, I'm sorry, Euro, Eurogamer's Mafia 3 article, I'm sorry, I'm misreading my notes, there's also a Mafia 3 article about the the original beginning to Mafia 3 that was apparently super violent and had the protagonist killing a cop and all this kind of stuff, and they were so worried about it that they literally wiped it out, like it does not exist anywhere anymore, because they were afraid it was going to leak, and without context it was going to look like really right. controversial. So wow. that's pretty cool. You guys can go read about that. All right, Chris, let's get into the games that are coming out this week. I'm always shocked by how many games come to PlayStation Network. You guys out there will play almost none of these. But let's, <laughs> but let's read about yeah, them.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the list and I was
0: like, J- really? These are all just things that just came out? That's insane. Yeah, these are things that are coming out this week. My but no, God. there are definitely the PlayStation Network's definitely not turning into the App Store and definitely not. I'm sure the people that are releasing all these games are thrilled that they're going to sell 50 copies.
1: Hey, it's, it's not as bad as the uh, Switch store.
0: That's true. Yeah, it's, it's – where is the quality control? Why can't we have that? <laughs> Why true. is that such a bad thing? Why – just because a game exists doesn't need to, needs to be on your platform.
1: No, there's more, Colin. More is better.
0: It's, it's a really – it's stupid as hell. It's like – it's, it's just a dumb argument. Yeah, I know. And, <clears throat> but these are the games coming out. And by the way, the quotes about the games come from PlayStation Blog. I didn't write them. Here we go. This is going to be fun. Adventure Time Pirates of the Encheridian. This is coming to PlayStation 4 digitally. Ahoy! The land of Ooo is underwater, and it's up to Finn and Jake to find out why. Join our heroes as they explore the high seas, search for hidden clues, interrogate shady suspects, and fight pirates to solve the mystery and save their waterlogged world. No. Black Sea Odyssey is coming to PlayStation 4. (laughs) The hunt is on. Get ready to battle colossal space monsters in Black Sea Odyssey, a savage top-down roguelite shooter... Oh, I'm sorry. shoot up RPG. Top-down roguelite shoot-em-up RPG. That's every genre of video game imaginable. Yeah, what
1: the hell? I can't even vision. I can't even, like, picture that in my head.
0: Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's a word soup. Chicken Assassin Reloaded comes to PlayStation 4 That's digitally. amazing. Chicken Assassin is a fast-paced action RPG with an outrageous storyline filled with over-the-top humor that boasts a myriad of colorful enemies and visually stunning levels and environments. Uh, okay, so frost comes to playstation 4 digitally frost is the deck building solo survival card game set on a harsh frozen world ravaged by a lethal storm that actually sounds pretty cool i like deck building games yeah yeah especially when i have to play with other people gene rain comes to playstation 4 digital death is always fair he treats both the poor and the rich equally i don't know about that this is the concept of the death squad fighting to the end of conflicts the end the conflicts afflicting the whole world that's just that's just false yeah that's just just like objectively they're lying to you in that you know, I don't want to be political, but that's not true. Gotcha Racing 2nd comes to PS4. This one comes out on the 19th. That's an awful name. Get parts from the gotcha and customize your own original machine. Win the variety of races and aim to the top of the Grand Prix. All right. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a jam. Guts and Glory comes to PlayStation 4 digitally. This is also a 19th release. Welcome to Guts and Glory, the craziest game show on earth where ordinary people compete in extraordinary challenges of life and death. For glory. Oh, Jesus, God. Hop Along the Badlands comes to PlayStation VR. One-of-a-kind locomotion combines with comedy and fast-paced gameplay to bring you hop along the Badlands. Sling lead and thunder across the Badlands as you chase down the infamous Dynamite Gang. Ooh, the Dynamite Gang. Oof, I've heard bad things about them. Hungry Shark World comes to PlayStation 4 digitally. Experience life as a shark and eat everything that gets in your way in this action-packed aquatic adventure. 10 out of 10. They're not even trying. There are so many more games. Oh my god. Oh my this god. whole page. Ice Cream Surfer comes to PlayStation 4 and Vita. The evil broccoli, ir- irritated by the fact that kids ha- hate vegetables and love ice creams, that's what it says, ice, ice creams. creams, has created an army of vegetables to destroy the flavor galaxy. Only the Ice Cream Surfer, with the help of his four super tasty friends, can prevent that. I never noticed, but
1: I feel like a lot of uh, descriptions from for these kinds of games are pretty apt to like a lot of NES yeah, <laughs> games. Like, the- Mario could be described just as dumb. <laughs>
0: Let's Sing 2018 comes to PS4. Warm up those vocal cords, enter the virtual stage, and experience the best Let's Sing ever made. I'm going to rely on you to report back on that next week, Chris. Okay, I will. I'm excited for this one. The Moose Man comes to PlayStation 4 digitally on the 18th. You are the Moose Man, and you have the ability to see all that is hidden to the mortal (laughs) eye. You are about to visit three layers of this universe. The first one is the lower world, where the spirits of the dead reside. (laughs) It's not, even, it's, not even, it's not
1: even like a summary of the game. That's like, here's, here's the first part.
0: That's weird. <laughs> Mother Gunship comes to PlayStation 4 from the creators of Tower of Guns. Mother Gunship mixes bullet hell intensity with the FPS genre and brings one of the largest gun customization options seen in video games. What? A first-person bullet hell? Sounds pretty cool. Huh. I don't know how that's going to work. Sounds but I think neat. Tower of Guns was a game people liked. Yeah, so That sounds kind of neat. I haven't heard of that. We'll check it out. Yeah. Mugsters comes to PlayStation 4 digitally. Aliens have taken over the planet and enslaved humanity. Only you have the know-how to drive back the dastardly threat, free your fellow Earthlings, and save the world. Mugsters? Yeah. I don't even know what these... The Path of Modus comes to PlayStation 4. Will you let other people stop you from pursuing your dreams? For generations, a village of goblins has been trapped inside a mysterious forest. (laughs) Anyone who attempts to leave returns hopeless and defeated. (laughs) Determined to break new ground, a young goblin named Modus plans to build a series of bridges through the forest. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's so good oh my god that's like
0: a bunch of non sequiturs i don't i love know. it the game with the amazing title race arcade comes to playstation 4 race arcade is the ultimate top down racing game with a strong retro feeling and super smooth gameplay this fresh and evolved racing experience seamlessly combines all the best parts from the good old racing games with the most recent technologies
1: recent technologies are, are the best
0: technologies <laughs> Sonic Mania Plus comes to PlayStation 4 retail. Sonic Mania Plus is the definitive retail enhanced version of the original Sonic Mania digital release, presented in pristine collectible packaging. Building off its momentum and critical acclaim as one of the best platform games of 2017, the nostalgic pixel perfect visuals and fresh gameplay will deliver a classic experience to gamers. Did you see the, the ad? World.
1: Did you see the ad that they just put out for? Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty I, good I go ad. out of
0: my way to avoid anything Sonic related.
1: That's fair. Yeah, and I don't I don't judge you for doing that. It's a good ad. It's like, a, it's like a callback to like some – it's like this dude this uh, dude who's like in behind like two CRT TVs and like here's a generic first-person shooter and here's – it's so ridiculous. That's cool. It's good. It's a good ad. Like I said, I, I – But don't, I don't care about Sonic. So. I try
0: not to make fun of Sonic publicly because I'm afraid that they're going to make fun of me on there. On they're the too, Twitter account? Yeah, they're too funny. They're, yeah, they, are, they, they got a solid Twitter. Space Jacked comes to Vita. Build, shoot, survive. Can you, space technician, Ace Dave Poprovsky? Speak. <laughs> defend your spaceship against a relentless <laughs> horde of aliens all right inspired by an arcade classic super Destronaut not dx that's a terrible name i don't know i, I it's think it. it's super destronaut oh sorry all right so let's start again super destronaut dx i'm sorry you're right i can't read it comes to ps4 and vita inspired by an arcade classic super destronaut dx is retro space shooter that pits you against an enemy more dreaded than a ufo a scoreboard
2: Ooh.
0: god there's more super dungeon tactics coming to ps4 digitally Super Dungeon Tactics is a classic turn-based game featuring exciting new gameplay mechanics along with traditional RPG characters making you feel right at home. The dynamic gameplay will keep you on your toes. Tempest 4000 comes to PS4 Retail. Tempest 4000 is a visually stunning action-packed tube shooter based on the classic hit game, Tempest. And finally, finally, oh. Tohu Gensel Wanderer Reloaded comes to PS4. Set out on an all-new adventure with Reimu, Marissa, Sine, and more of your favorite Toho characters.
1: I have a lot of favorite Toho characters, Colin. I don't Colin. know what
0: the fuck that means. All right. Are you going to play any of these? I don't know. <laughs> no, probably not. Let us see.
1: That, uh, that bullet hell seems kind of interesting. I like bullet hells, and I, I don't think I've ever seen like a... I can't think of a first-person bullet hell. So I might...
0: Yeah, maybe check that I might look out. look at that. Ice Cream Surfer, I'm going to have to check that out because it's on Vita. And maybe, and maybe that Super Destronaut DX game.
1: Moose Man is also pretty enticing. Yeah,
0: I got to get a code. I refuse to pay for Moose Man, so I got to get a code for that first. All right, Chris, as I promised, we're, let me see, we're like 50 minutes into the show or so, so there's no more news. We've gotten through the ridiculous number of games that are coming out on PlayStation yeah. platforms in case you're going to buy any of them out there, and I doubt you are. So I've, I have here three full pages of reader questions, and I keep calling them reader questions even though they're listener questions. I'm never going to stop. So should we get into them? Yeah, let's do it. Michael Ferrari says, what is Chris Raygun's thoughts on trophies and achievements, what do you think about these? Because he says, "Colin, do you still go out of your way to get platinum to platinum games?" I personally only try to platinum games now if I get organic, if I get close organically, since it's such a time sink. I have sixty-nine platinum trophies. Um, I sometimes go out of my way for them, but sometimes I don't. And uh, I really, really enjoy the metagame game, and I have since it launched. But what are your thoughts on trophies and achievements, Chris? Uh,
1: I like them, but I, I feel like it makes it hard to because uh, I like to. I feel like I like to play on everything. But because I feel like during, like, 05 to 2013, that, that whole generation for me was mostly 360. So a lot of the scores that I've accumulated are on that platform, even though I don't necessarily play it all that much anymore. So it's kind of, it's a little frustrating to feel like it's a bit fragmented for me. Right, right, right. But um, I, I I like I like them. I think they're a pretty good addition. I, I haven't really gone out of my way to platinum or get 100% of trophies in anything aside from if it's a game that I adore or a series that I adore, I'll, I'll play through it. And I, like, I, I want to get all of them in uh, shadow of the Colossus.
0: Yeah. That would be a great, that would be a great platinum to get. You know? That's kind of the way I, I do it too. Back in the day when trophies first came out, I used to play like in the PS3, even pre Vita era. I used to play a ton of shit for trophies and, and it, it it's, it's lame. And I stopped doing it a long time ago. And, and, kind of just like just there are games i know you can't delete your trophies but there are games where i would go through and delete a bunch of shit like just because i'm like why do i have this why do i have a platinum trophy in cloudy with a chance of Meatballs you know what
1: you know i have like a traumatic memory regarding (laughs) achievements it's because i there was a point where i was like really obsessed with it and having like a good score and all that and i i downloaded you remember cloning clyde no it was this weird kind of i think it was i might have been like a, a 360 arcade thing But they gave away points. It was like an achievement score. And they gave like three points and like seven points instead of like five and ten. Right, right. even. And it, it, it messed me up. Like it, I, I, I like played it enough to get it back to even, and I like just I deleted the game. It was so
0: frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that would. Yeah, I always did wonder that. Like, yeah, you see some people with one at the end of their like the at the last integer or whatever. Yeah, um, it's bad. It's bad. Do you like the the achievement system more, or the trophy system more, from from a. Um, from a cumulative perspective, do you think that it's cool to have like that high number? Or do you think it's cool to have like different levels of trophies um, and like a trophy level?
1: I don't think I really notice the difference. Really, it's just it really does come down to preference. I don't really care about either. I just know that I like having all the achievements in a specific game. I don't necessarily. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get all the achievements or trophies in Super desperate. Or not.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know? You don't need to do that. But but like, maybe I will. But like, Shadow of the Colossus, maybe. Sure. I I think that, you know, obviously, you know, achievements came out in 2005, trophies didn't come out until 2008, and clearly trophies are a copy of achievements, and and no one would deny that. But I do think that there was an interesting evolution of it that Sony did wisely, which was the Platinum. Yeah, that's a cool idea. The idea of, like, this is your reward for getting them all.
1: I think that, you know what, I think they're really good for, like, proving that you did something. Because there was a point in time where you're like, yeah, I beat this game on, like, the hardest difficulty. You're like, no, you didn't. Yeah, you just lie. You you, You didn't beat Contra. And it's like, no, I swear I did. But now you can actually be like, yo, look, I did it.
0: No, absolutely. And it's funny you say that too, because you would learn in being in game criticism for a long time, there are just stupid journalists and stupid freelancers out there that think that like they can lie about what they've done, like what they've played. And, and people would get caught on a pretty regular basis early on because... I remember at GameSpot, there was like a, it was an MMO that a guy played and claimed he played all these hours. And like, we can see how much you played. You didn't play that, like, as long as you claim. And, or people that are like, I beat the game. And I'm like, but your trophies say you didn't beat the game. Like, so to your point, it's not only a thing to prove to people, like, that I did this thing, but it's a way to get people for in positions of power to be like, you didn't actually see the game through well enough. And that was, that was always a motivator for me too because we do have a question we'll get into later about should you need to beat a game to review it? I don't think you do. I think it depends on the game. Yeah. But I would always go as far as possible. I'd usually beat the games I review, but if I was playing like a really long RPG, I'd get as far as possible to be like, you can see, literally see how far I've gotten. And then you can take me with a grain of salt or put as much weight into my words as possible. But it gives you kind of a tool set.
1: I feel like as long as you, you're aware of uh, the person's engagement in the, in the game, like how far they've gone, While you're reading their thoughts, I feel like that's sufficient enough. I agree. Like if you're like if you're playing Aliens Colonial Marines, you know, like yo, I gave up halfway through. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a valid. It's valid. I I did that with. uh, There was a game. The lowest score I ever gave at IGN was a PSN game called Amy, that came out in like 2000. I remember that 2011 or something like that It was terrible by a a French studio named Lexus Numeric, and it was I gave it a two, horrendous (laughs) game. I don't think I ever gave a game even a three. I think the lowest score I gave after that was a four. So this game was, um, and I, and the review, I'm like, l- I literally refuse to play this anymore. That was, like, literally the entire crux of the review. I'm like, I'm not playing it anymore. Like, I played halfway through it, I'm, I'm done. It's my God. You know, so so at some, sometimes, I guess the point I'm trying to make is sometimes not playing it all the way through is the point. Yeah, exactly. That you're trying to make. Pedro Escobar asks us, Do you guys think Sony first-party games have hit a level in the gaming world where the culture will automatically associate their games with top-notch quality? I feel that after Horizon, Detroit, and God of War, along with Spider-Man coming up... We are getting to a point where Sony will have the same kind of clout Nintendo tends to wield. What do you think of that?
1: Uh, I feel like they've had that. I don't I don't think that's new. <laughs> I've felt that way for a while.
0: Yeah, I, I think – well, I think there's – to talk about this candidly, I have to first candidly talk about how I feel like Nintendo is treated. And I talk about this a little bit in my video today. Actually, my, my episode of SideQuest on my YouTube channel today – it plays into this 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 show because it's about PlayStation Vita and why it failed and why Switch does well in its in its wake. And I I, I talk about it. I'm like, Switch is a great kit, it's awesome and, and it's got great games. But Nintendo is treated so much better by mainstream games media and press and given so many free passes and so many accolades for a random ass shit. Oh no, that, absolutely. That it's hard to it's hard to, to objectively gauge where they actually are with the quality of their games compared to PlayStation because When I And I'm just being honest with you, and I know people think I'm crazy, but when I played Horizon, and then the next game I played was Zelda, I was like, Horizon's way better than Zelda. And I don't understand how people are saying, like, this is the greatest game of all time, but this other game that's in the same exact genre that's in many ways more impressive isn't as good. And I'm like, I don't really understand that. And so... With Nintendo being treated like that, it's hard to say that Sony, to your point, isn't already at that level. It's just that they're treated with a totally different set of expectations.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I thought I it's interesting. I feel I felt the exact opposite. Because I played Zelda first and I really enjoyed it, and then I played Horizon, and I was kinda
0: I didn't really get that. That's into shocking it. to me. Well, it's yeah. not shocking because I, I it's why am I shocked by that? It has a ninety seven on Metacritic, and well, I'm one of the only people that ever says that I didn't <laughs> like it that much. So I guess it's not that shocking.
1: Well, I didn't think it was like a m I didn't think it was the best game in the world. That's insane. But I thought uh I don't know I I think I th- I, th- I just feel like uh Horizon was very very I think that's what, that was when I started to kind of notice the template for like third person over the shoulder kind of this is when I started to notice it like with uncharted and like uh last of us it was very like okay there's a formula here that I didn't necessarily see in Zelda cuz Zelda was so odd uh, it, did, it did get boring for me though I did absolutely like stop playing Zelda after a while
0: there was just no purpose in Zelda. That's true. That I mean that's the way I felt. Where the fun like, of
1: Zelda is definitely like in the physics, I think. But Sure. But I yeah, I Nintendo is is typically treated really really well just cuz they were they've been around for ages. I think that applies to pretty much every all the big 3. I think the the people who have been here the least amount of time, Microsoft gets an unnecessary amount of like crap thrown at them, and I think Nintendo gets like an unnecessary amount of praise.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm not going to sit here and shit on Nintendo's quality of their games. I think they are amongst the very best publisher of games. Oh yeah, and if not, maybe pound. I, I really, best.
1: I really loved uh, Odyssey Mario. I had so much fun with that game.
0: I think it's so funny, man, because I just feel like I'm on a different level with than a lot of people. It's just this totally different plane where Odyssey and Zelda are really the only two Switch games I've spent any amount of time with, like any significant oh, no. amount of Me time too. with. <laughs> but I, I, I played them both, and I'm like, these are fun. Like I like these, and I, I can see why people are into them, and I, I think it's quality. But I also feel like I'm playing something that's like. You know, with Odyssey, I was playing something where I'm like, I don't think this is even remotely the best 3D Mario game. And and with Zelda, I was like, it's cool. It's so when you get over the astonishment of playing that kind of game that Nintendo made, it's just very weird that Nintendo made that game. Yeah. for, for me. I mean, that was a... once I got over that shock, I'm like, I don't feel like you guys quite understand what an open world RPG is. That was that was like what my takeaway was. And I know I understand I'm totally in the minority, but again, it's hard for me to accurately gauge Who's being treated fairly and who isn't, and then how those things contrast with yeah. each other.
1: Because public opinion also kind of influences you, exactly. So, so it's it is it is kind of tricky.
0: But um, you know, to answer Pedro's question more succinctly, I think I think Chris is right. I think that Sony kind of does have that cloud. I just think you have to. It, it, it's based on who you're asking, and also it's the complicated nature of how Sony makes games and publishes them. You know, you're talking. He he brings up I think four games here, which is. Horizon Detroit God of War and Spider-Man well two of those games are not even made by Sony Studios so now you're getting into this whole thing of like Sony publishing do they have the same clout as Sony's internally developed games and I think there's a whole nother discussion to be had there yeah right I think Spider-Man is clearly going to be great and I think Detroit was great too but are they going to be Last of Us God of War great I don't know and I don't think it really matters so the and and the end user has no idea Insomniac is not a PlayStation studio they have no idea they just know that it's ex- it's exclusive to their to the platform. Yeah, Jeremy says reasons that Sony might be avoiding crossplay. What are the benefits of this? Can you think of any?
1: No, I just think maybe honestly the only benefit I could see is uh, it's just kind of easier not to do something like that. You know, it's it's probably a lot easier not to figure out how to integrate PSN with Xbox Live and and this whatever the hell the Switch's networking is uh, and and PC and all that than it is to. Just kind of just let it sit as it was. It's easier to do nothing than to do something that advances the
0: medium Sure, in and that, in that yep. direction. I think you're right there. And I think maybe I'm reading too deep into it. But I think that there's a few things. I think Sony, and I don't know if this is true. These are just guesses. I think Sony might be apprehensive of sharing access and any sort of code base or whatever with another hardware manufacturer. And my assumption is, is that if you're making a game that speaks to everything, you have to have some sort of back end into the PlayStation Network. And are they, comfortable, yeah. are they comfortable giving, like, a publisher the keys to the kingdom when they're all intermingling with each other? But I don't think that that can necessarily be the case because that has to be the case when you're making multiple SKUs of a game. Yeah. So I, I don't... Do you, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that Sony, uh, or PSN
1: more specifically, has been hacked a lot? I feel like a lot more than any other. Yeah, yeah, the only successful, platform.
0: the only successful, really truly successful hack of a of a gaming network happened Well, So
1: I well, I remember on the on the PS3, the PS PSN was down for like it was oh, like it was, 2 weeks or something. It was something? more than, that. I think it was, it was like, like 5 or 6 weeks. Yeah. yeah. I It was like that's never happened to
0: any No, to they, anything des- else. they destroyed it. I'll never forget that as long as I live because first of all everybody's shit got stolen. Yeah. And um I remember Sony giving a press conference in Japan and they stood up uh, I was like Kaz, I think in some of the guys and they stood up and just bowed yeah. to the press for it's like crazy. a minute because it was like so bad imba- like it's so embarrassing. And yeah. They were so contrite, you know. But do you think that has anything to do with it? Do it think- might, yeah. I, I think I mean ultimately I think that it's like Occam's Razor, are like the most logical, you know, the simplest explanation. It's money. Yeah. And I think until they until the platform holders come to some sort of consensus on how they're gonna share money with each other. So I guess the thing is, is like if you have a Fortnite account. And you attach it to the Switch, to the Xbox One, and the PlayStation 4. But then you're playing it primarily on Switch, and you're buying all your shit there. But then you bring it to Sony. Sony basically has, gets no money out of that. And so I, I do think that that that's is I, think that's I, I, the I didn't actually point. think of that at all. I think that's the sticking point. And I think they have to have some sort of like, profit-sharing thing between yeah. the platforms. And I think it's, it's easy for Nintendo and Microsoft to do this because it makes them look good. They're not winning. Yeah. You know, so I, I like I, I think you have to look I, I don't think Sony's in the right here. I just think that I I understand why they might be concerned from a monetary standpoint because they might be losing dollars doing that. They have most people playing Fortnite are playing on PC or PlayStation. So like why why would they why would they give a shit? Why would they throw a bone or a tether to one of their competitors? Yeah. They there's no reason for they if they were in their position, they might be more interested in doing it, you know?
1: And that's the thing about like being when you're in that position, when you're in the underdog position, you tend to make more consumer-friendly choices.
0: Yes, absolutely. Liam Argent says, Do you believe that Ready at Dawn will develop a sequel to The Order 1886? I hope so, as despite its flaws, it established a universe that would be a shame to be dropped after one game.
1: No, I, uh, no.
0: That's your answer? No. Did you like The Order 1886?
1: I, I couldn't stand it. I was so upset. It was just so, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, I, I, people like whatever, you know, it's, it's subjective and all that, but I was, I, I think I was just expecting something way different. Than what I got. It was... I didn't even play that on my account. It like, was before I had a PS4. It was, I played it on a Friends. Uh, like, I borrowed it, and I was just like, what? It it's, happened. It was,
0: it was not not good.
1: That was one of the biggest... The, I remember that was, like, one of the the, the big hype machines for the PS4 mm-hmm. initially. It was... The, oh, my God. The Order 1886. Yeah, because that opening insane. trailer
0: was awesome with, with them getting out yeah? of the carriage and stuff. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. <laughs> so, there's a few... I think, that, Chris, there's a few ways to dissect this. Ready at Dawn actually based here, I think, in Santa Monica, is a very capable studio. And before they did the Order 1886, what they were best known for were their God of War games on PSP. Right. So they had this intimate relationship with Sony and were clearly given a, a, a AAA console-level game, game that they weren't capable of making. And I don't mean that as an insult to their talent level. They were literally not built to make this game.
1: Now, that game was very polished. It looked yeah. really good.
0: Yeah, from a technical level, it was... Yeah. Very fine. It just wasn't what I wanted. But I'll say this, that I think, and people that have been following me for a long time will know that from the first moment I saw it, I was like, beware. That's how I was with No Man's Sky. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wish more people listened to you. you yeah, know? me too. But when I first saw it, so there was a lot of weirdness with the game. So they show it at E3 that yeah. year, in 2013. And they bring me to a behind closed door demo at E3. And then they just show the trailer again to me. Like oh. It's just me. And I'm like, what the hell is, you know, what? and they were like, we have five minutes of an interview. And I had to spend the interview being like, is it first person? And they're like, no, it's third person. I'm like, is, so it's a third person shooter? And they're like, yeah, it's a third person shooter. I'm like, is it cover based? Like Gears of War? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, kind of. And some of that like, right, time's up. So then fast forward a few months, I'm in Germany for Gamescom. And they have another behind closed door demo. And they invite a bunch of people to it. Uh-huh. And they show Galahad, who I think is his name, is the, is the protagonist, running around a white a white room. And they were like, look at the way his cape moves. And look at the beautiful animations. And then they, they, they render this thing like a, like with flags and shit. And they're like, look at the way the flags move and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. So then the next year, I come to Santa Monica and see the game behind closed doors. And it's the first time the game's running. Uh-huh. And it's running at like five frames a second. Oh, no. Like the game is running horribly. And I, I, I remember walking out of there. And there was this guy at another outlet that was like, What did you think? I I, I ran into him in the um, in the hotel lobby and I'm like, What fucking terrible? You know? And he's like, Oh, I think it looks great. And I went and read everyone's coverage and I was like, What game did you just see? Because I just saw this game running at, a frame, at an inexcusable frame rate yeah. for a game that's been in development for this long. It's the first time we even ever saw it running. It was literally a corridor that I don't even think is in the game where he's like hiding behind... He's like in, a, a, in between two buildings, hiding behind cover and shooting back at some enemies and it's running like shit. And, and I write this thing, this scathing piece about it and everyone gets mad at me. That's insane. Like, and then the game comes out the next year and it sucks. And I got hundreds <laughs> if not thousands of people that are like, you were right about the order. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I know. I tried to warn you guys. It w- they forgot to make a game. They were obsessed with the tech. Yeah, they were obsessed with. That's the what technology. No Man's Sky is too. They
1: they built like a really cool tech demo and then just forgot. What did you think of the lore though? The, I I do think that the world was really cool that they built. I do think that that's I just, true. I was just frustrated. I think I'm sure. I, I think the lore probably probably is good. I think I was just too annoyed to really get sucked in. Like I was just like irritated.
0: It was also short. It's Like five hours. Yeah, it's
1: real short. I don't know.
0: I was disappointed in it. Yeah, Tyler Oldfield. Oh, wait, oh no, I guess. Wait, I do you think there's going to be? a secret? Yeah, I, I didn't answer the question. Um, no, yeah, I don't think so either. I, I don't. It would have happened by now. First off, yeah, I think they would have announced it. And Ready at Dawn, people might remember that Ready at Dawn went to work on some VR stuff, and also they made a game with GameStop. That you know, GameStop has that that Game Trust label. The first game for the Game Trust label was an Insomniac game called Song of the Deep, which was a Metroidvania game. And then they released this game. Uh, Ready at Dawn's game is already out. It was it was some weird game where you played as like these rubber balls. It was like a multiplayer game. It was really weird, like okay. totally not oh, a AAA right. game. So no, that's not going to happen. And I think it's important for Sony not. I think it's important for Sony to parse the fat. You know, like yeah, the 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012 era of like a PlayStation exclusive every two months is not good for the is not good for the ecosystem. People weren't buying any of those games. You want to make. That was, that, was that like battle Royale? like uh, not the battle royale.
1: No, yeah, it was PlayStation All Stars battle royale. Yeah, PlayStation royale All like yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Stars and and Starhawk and like we were saying before, Twisted Metal and even going further back, like there you know there were there was a lot of weird, play, you know, haze and <laughs> heavenly sword. I love haze. Some of these, do you like haze? No, I, I knew a person that I worked with at IGN who was like contrarian <laughs> to the max that loved haze. I'm like, really? No, it's bad haze. I just loved it because it was so jarring as to what it was. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it about like some sort of like pollen? Or something, or like some, yeah, yeah. You so, took like nectar, yeah, nectar. And, and, and you would
1: become enhanced, or I don't know, whatever. Very weird.
0: Sweet so, up. so I think Ready at Dawn was just the fat that needed to be cut. Like, the, they're they're good people. They worked hard on the game. I'm sure that they didn't want it to be bad. But you know, remember that in 2015, later in 2015, until Dawn, which was another PlayStation exclusive, came out and was awesome. And we're not even getting a sequel to that. So of course we're not going to get a sequel to to yeah. this particular game. Tyler Oldfield says what innovation does Sony need to do to justify a PlayStation 5 that isn't just add more power what do you think? <sighs> wow that's actually a good
1: question I I don't know I, th- I feel like I feel like the consoles are starting to show their age so I think honestly more power is kind of all that's needed really yeah, I think it's a I, I think especially with VR uh, I think starting to be a thing that more and more people are interested in. Uh, because there's finally games on it that people are like excited to play beat saber and and all these the job simulators vacation simulator i you need power for that and you need to you need power not only to do that but to compete with what's out there already like oculus and vive so i think i I don't really know i guess cross play would be nice but I, i don't know what do you what do you think Motion I controls? You're... You want motion controls
0: back? <laughs> yeah, bring the move. I want only move controllers <laughs> and the PlayStation Eye.
1: I'm so. Oh my god, people forget. I think how bad that was.
0: I wanted to like move so bad. Like, what's your? What do you think? I'm reading the question again just to make sure I'm I'm not misunderstanding because I think you're right that more power is the rec is like the prerequisite. the The thing is, is that I think the games could always use more power, more RAM, all that kind of stuff, more rendering power. But the thing that I'm always struck with Chris is that PlayStation 4 just doesn't run that well. Like it like the more yeah. it gets updated, like I'm shocked like one in 3 times I go to like even look at the PlayStation store I have to restart. It's yeah. like the little things like that I'm like you got to fix this shit.
1: Are you on a Pro? No. I'm on a Pro. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mess up so much. Uh,
0: I, I I don't want to get a Pro because I still have a 1080p TV. I don't know if it's really worth it.
1: That's fair. Yeah.
0: I don't have a 4K TV. And I, I can't justify I'm just one of these guys that I'm like, I don't even know if I'd see the difference, to be honest. You know? I I, I think I, you would. <laughs> but I, I I don't I think you would. I, I I probably would. I'm probably being a little dramatic, but I'm just not a very technological guy. I don't really care That's about that. But I want whatever the whatever developer whatever the consensus developers need whatever they say like if they need more power give it to them if they need these other tools or other accessibility because i think playstation 4 and xbox one because of their underlying architecture have made making games much easier and you can see that now because we get a shit ton of games on playstation 4 that we don't want (laughs) but i so i i think power is good but i don't want i don't it can't be power for graphical fidelity i want power to be like what can what kind of computations what kind of ai enhancements what kind of really robust game worlds can you do that are totally uh, removed from the aesthetic but make it more living and more breathing i think would be really exciting and that's all from computation that's all from the power of computation computing
1: power And, and like uh i i had always been a proponent of this this idea of like uh no man's sky but the variation that you would see from planet to planet on one like i would love to just be on one fully fleshed out planet That'd be
0: insane. Yeah, that doesn't have like one biome and like one, yeah, that doesn't one, have one yeah.
1: like just fully like you could go around. Right. Because that that would have been way cooler than just flying out into the atmosphere to visit a bunch of dead rocks
0: that had no that had nothing on them. I didn't get that game at all when I when I played it. I was like, I don't, I just don't even understand what this is supposed to be. I saw it the
1: first time and I thought that tech demo looks cool, and I saw it the second time and I was like, N- nothing's changed.
0: <laughs> this is gonna be a problem. That was an overpromised... You know, I, they got away with one, I think, there. A little bit.
1: Yeah. They re-release it.
0: Yeah, they... they they're they re-releasing it, 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 I think think. it. I think it might already be out or it's imminent because it's coming to Xbox One. And Yeah. L- okay. Lucky them. Tyler Harris said, I'd like to hear Chris's opinions on the Destiny 2 Forsaken DLC and whether he believes it will be the shot in the arm Destiny needs to bring back its player base. Also, why do you think games journalism focuses so much on the toxicity of gamers and not the gamers like the Destiny community, which are raising over $2.3 million for charity?
1: Uh, I'll answer the second question first. Okay. I think, I think, like anything in the media right now, negativity just kind of sells. Like, pe- people don't click on articles about charities. They just don't. Because they see the headline and they're like, that's nice. But they don't need to know any- anything else, really. They, like, it's not as engaging as... Uh, it's it's the same thing as, like, reality TV. It's like, you, you watch reality TV because it's just cancer. It's, it's just, like, horrendous... Fighting for stupid, petty right. reasons, and I think that that translates to headlines in in on games websites and even just on, on Twitter. We were just talking about this. Everything, everybody on Twitter is like always complaining, and it's because people like to complain. Right, like, that's the reality. That's the reality of it too. I love to complain. You know, I'm not above it, but uh, I think that's why you see more reports or stories about you know toxic player bases and and you know and stuff like that. But I think. From what I've seen, I'm actually, I was, like, really big into Destiny. Because I'm, like, I've been playing Bungie games, like, forever. Since before Halo, I was playing, like, <laughs> like Marathon on PC and shit. It was good. And I I feel like this connection to that studio that I just can't justify, really. <laughs> but I think the DLC looks cool. I think they're doing a lot of interesting things with it. But I just don't, I just don't have a draw to go back to Destiny. I might play that weird there's that weird multi like pvp slash pve mode that they're harping on about that looks genuinely kind of neat and kind of innovative but outside of that i just I, i'm so burned out i'm so burned out on it
0: do I you just... think well let me, let me let me ask you this because you'll have a much better idea of this than i do i don't play these kinds of games i probably i try to play destiny alone <laughs> <laughs> That's... is uh is Destiny too long for this world? Because it's hard, it's again, it's hard to look at the optics like the visible and vocal optics of it in which people seem to hate it. Yeah. But I don't believe that. Like I don't believe that most of the player base hates it. I just think that they're the vocal minority being the loudest. Yeah. But also it clearly doesn't seem to be doing as well as the first one and there's just way more competition now, not only with the rise of Battle Royale games that are grabbing people, but you know, you're looking at Siege, which is highly playable. You're getting yeah. the Division 2 coming up and other games of, of the like mine. Do you think that Destiny, do you think that, do you think Destiny can be? I don't want to use the word salvage; sounds so dramatic. But can, do you think they can salvage this brand, or do you think it's pretty much done? After I,
1: this? I think, I think they can because I've seen far worse, <laughs> far worse. Like Six Rainbow Six Siege was a joke when it came out. I remember like people were like memeing on it constantly. They had the classic uh, E3 demo launch version Right. Thing. It just looked it was clowned on con- constantly, uh, constantly. But now it's one of the most loved games on on every platform, you know, people love it. Uh, Destiny 2, I just think, is mismanaged. I think they, I still don't think they know what it is or what people like about it. And that's fair because it was a very confused, it was a very odd thing when it came out. Like, nobody, I I can't think of a game I played before that that was like that at all. But I think they just need to focus because they got a good foundation there. The game plays well. It's just, there's nothing there to do. And I think Bungie's more than capable of Putting out something that is at, at the very least fun for a little bit and functional. So as long as they just like keep a focus on like what people why, what do people like about it, focus on that, right? I don't know, I, I don't really know. I, I, think, I think it could be. I think it's going to take effort, though, and I don't know if whether or not they're willing to put that effort in is, is a whole it's a way different discussion.
0: Yeah, I think I with, know. with Call of Duty, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Battlefield somewhat imminent, and then next year, Anthem and Division 2, it's a bad time to be stumbling in this space. Yeah. And no, I agree. I think that I'll be very interested to see, without public facing numbers, which they don't really release, how much of a stickiness and a magnetism this game continues to have when there's just going to be more robust options. You know, I think I, I'm super. Again, we talked about it last week, but the Anthem Division 2 thing is going to be very interesting to me. About, yeah, like, yeah. Who, the way they've placed those yeah. release dates. We'll see how that the all division two up.
1: is actually a pretty good example because people are like excited about the division two even though like the first one was kind of like what the hell like what like a lot I, I know I know a lot of people who like stopped playing immediately and it was kind of kind of a mess
0: really I I, I have a very unique and almost useless opinion on the division because having played it by myself and not with anyone else but I loved it like I just I was like this game's fucking great yeah <laughs> I loved it that's fair. I, I played it for almost, I played like 40 or 45 hours I think like I liked a lot about it I'll say that Mark Thornley says, how do you be a journalist in the game industry with the recent issues with CD Projekt Red and Shane Satterfield having issues with taking a voice recording of the cyberpunk demo? And his defense of that, I don't agree with Shane as CD Projekt said it was, it it was private and he released the recording anyway. What is the protocol on this? You say that Jason Schreier is one of the few doing the job to a high standard. I know this is a complex question, but interested in your response. Love your content. So do you know about the story? Uh, I know a little bit about it. I don't know much about it. Let me catch up with the uh, listeners to this a little bit. So Shane Satterfield, who's a personal friend of mine, is, uh, so I'm saying this, I'm not throwing any, casting any aspersions towards Shane. I like Shane. I think he's a great guy and I know him. Shane used to, was one of the big guys at Game Trailers and runs a smaller site now called Sifted which is actually a pretty cool thing. It's S-I-F-T-D. It's supported on Patreon. It's basically like a small community of gamers that sift through content and bubble up all the shit you need to see. So if you like go to the site and say like, I want to see only PS4 and Vita content, then you go to the site and it shows you all of that. It's pretty cool. It, it, it works pretty well. Um, he got into some hot water recently because he went to the E3 demo for Cyberpunk. Now people didn't see any, people saw Cyberpunk behind closed doors, but they did not release the footage. And... Shane released an audio recording of the of the the um of the session with CD Project and with Warner Brothers who is the publisher and got a copyright strike which is terrible because that dings your account permanently on YouTube. Yeah. And they re- withdrew it but there was all this drama on if he did the right thing or if he didn't do the right thing. Now, I will say that Shane absolutely did the wrong thing. I've been in a million of these behind closed doors demos and there's usually – now, I would say that I would be a little more nebulous on it if if I was, if it was unclear that no one told Shane or other people not to record. But according to other people in, in different appointments, including apparently in that appointment, they did say not to record anything. So we recorded it. He didn't sign an NDA, but there's um, what sometimes people call friend DA in the industry, which is like <laughs> um, the idea of like, well, you're friendly with these guys or they're being friendly enough to show you something. And there's a gentleman's or a, a lady's agreement to not show or talk about what you're seeing. I know a ton of shit that I would never tell anyone because that's the friend DA. Yeah. You don't want to burn a bridge. So now what Shane has done is released this, got in trouble, and burned a bridge with Cyberpunk and with CD Projekt and that's going to screw his coverage of the game. Was it worth it? Probably not. And I don't think he did the right thing because you just don't go into those environments when people are clearly telling you not to record and and this stuff's clearly not being released and you release it anyway. That's not journalism. Yeah. And it's nothing against Shane. I love Shane, but I think he did the wrong thing. But that's that. Yeah. And it's it's also just not like... uh...
1: It's, it's 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 not a huge whistleblowing thing you right. know it's not really it's just kind of like you're seeing footage or hearing
0: footage earlier than you might otherwise right you know it's i don't know and it's it's interesting though because mark thornley asks here well what about jason schreier i always talk jason schreier up from kataku he's one of the only journalists in the industry that does journalism that's actually good at his job and he leaks shit all the time but it's different because this stuff's being leaked to him from people from afar. Sometimes anonymously, sometimes from just sources. I used to leak shit like this all the time. I used to write things that people told me all the time. It's different going into the belly of the beast and then yeah, saying and doing, like, and like doing it yourself. Yeah, it's, it's like, a very different animal. Jason isn't the source of his of his stories. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So if someone went into that cyberpunk thing and said like this is X Y and Z what I saw and blah 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 and leaked it to him, then maybe there's a little bit of a differentiation there. But being the person who does it openly and brazenly is its just different. I don't know if people are going to understand or even agree with that differentiation, but it does exist. And I did that for a long time and it does exist. Um, you know, if someone told me X, Y, and Z are true, don't tell anyone. Like, I'm not your source. Don't tell anyone. And I'm like, okay. And then two months later, two people tell me X, Y, Z is true. Then I'm, tell- I'm going to write about it. Yeah. Because I have two other sources. So that's, that's the difference. Games journalism is in terrible shape, though. Yeah. Samuel Mills says, do you think Sony will make upgrades or adjustments, this generation or next, to PSN as a service? As a person who owns both an Xbox One and PS4, PSN just doesn't compare to Xbox Live as a gaming service. I wouldn't say that PSN is awful, it gets the job done. It's just that Xbox Live has been stellar, in my opinion, and Sony doesn't really seem to be focusing on it that much. You have way more experience with Xbox Live than me. What do you think of the differences between the networks now? I know that the differentiation has shrunk, but it still exists.
1: Yeah, I just think there's a. Honestly, I just think because it's been going on for far longer in a more um, robust state. Like people have been paying for Xbox Live for a long time. You know, it's it's ever since it launched. It was a it's it was seen as like a premium service. They've had a lot of time and funding to build that infrastructure out to be something that's very robust and functional. I think it's probably. I think it's a big reason as to why the, the PS3 got so majorly hacked. You know, I th- I don't think that's like a coincidence, really but i i don't know i think um i think ps4 has been catching up but i i do think that the xbox live ecosystem is a bit more especially now with game pass and and backwards compatibility and and all these extra like quality of life changes um it is it is better for your dollar but you know it it's ultimately are, how often are you playing on like, what are you playing, really, is really right. what it comes down to. If right. you're playing on PlayStation, then obviously, like, what
0: the fuck? Well, it almost ties in, Chris, to what we were talking about earlier, that without Sony's first-party or exclusive focus on multiplayer games that really stress PSN, yeah. then they have less of a reason to support it. Although their biggest games on PSN are on PlayStation generally, Grand Theft Auto and all these games are tethered into PSN. Yeah, yeah. And expectations are a little different because you're paying for it on PS4. PSN on PS3 was free. That was one of the reasons why no one gave a shit about, you know, that even with PlayStation Plus... You were just getting free games and some discounts and stuff. You didn't need that to play games online, but with PS4, you do. So there's a different expectation of quality. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think based on what a lot of people say that it's been met. And I assume that a lot of that has to do with architecture and maybe is going to be built into the PS5 as well. Yeah. But I think it also ties into the fact that like they just don't stress the same things, but they're going to have to for their third party. No, partners. absolutely.
1: They, well, they've also just um, they've had a whole generation now of you know being able to build that into something that people are willing to pay for, whereas prior they didn't.
0: Nicholas Hickman says, hey, guys. Hey. Uh, you, you see, you have a piece of paper, so you know that he's he's waiting for you to say hi, because he says in the parentheses, wait for Chris to say hi. Oh, I didn't even read that. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, I was like, he beat me to the punch. <laughs> I wanted to have a sweet pregnant pause there. We know that PS5 is under development. What do you think Sony are more likely to take inspiration from? Nintendo and the hybrid console that is the Switch, or the approach Xbox is taking with their games pass and streaming? What do you think? I think I don't think it's either of those things, but I but I'm curious what you what you think there. Like, if PS Four could be described, Chris, as for the gamers or a game machine first, or like that was kind of their focus, yeah. right? What do you think the PS Five mantra will be? Like, what do you think the like what do you think we're going to be talking about? With you think it'll be the same?
1: I think I think they're gonna I think so, but I think they're I think they're just gonna harp on power, especially with because the Xbox One X is out. You know, I I feel like that's going to be the main thing initially. You know, but uh, I don't know. I th- I think. Well, he's asking, what are they most likely to take inspiration from? I think they're far less likely to take inspiration from the Switch than they are, you know, with the Xbox approach of Game Pass and and that kind of thing. But I, I also I also don't think they're going to take inspiration from that either because they don't they're not in a position where they need to. Right. Maybe to sell the PS Five and to ensure their place with the PS Five, they might adopt a similar thing. But I. I don't know about streaming. What was the question? It was like streaming?
0: Yeah, it says it says Nintendo more likely to take inspiration from Nintendo's hybrid console or Xbox's approach with Game Pass and streaming.
1: I don't know about streaming. Uh, like, like, what do you mean? Like, uh, well, I don't really understand like this the question. PC, like the PC Play Anywhere thing, or
0: I, I guess I, 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 but Sony's been doing that for a while. You can play shit on PC now. I yeah. think through through PlayStation Four, and I think PS and now, now that, is an right? old thing, and that's been streaming games for years. So I don't, I don't quite. I understand what you're saying here, Nicholas, but I don't think it's. I don't think you're nailing exactly what the differentiation would be between the consoles because Sony's not going to do a hybrid console.
1: No. I think so. Not.
0: I absolutely think it's entirely possible that there's another handheld from PlayStation. I think that that's entirely possible. Do you think so? Yeah. I, I think that you can't have a hybrid console without debilitating your power. Yeah. And I've said it before that you're going to see that with Switch in the coming years. Switch is just not. Not a powerful machine. And it, can, it can't it can run Doom the way a PlayStation 4 runs Doom. So you can only imagine what PlayStation 5 is going to do to that console. And if you had a, a, a handheld option for Vita that or for, for PS5 that was tied into it, then you'd have to kind of go to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, you'd have to like gimp the system to make it run. But I do think that like a powerful, I do think Sony would be foolish to not at least explore internally the idea of contesting the handheld space again because of the success of Switch. Something that ties intimately into PS5 that is optional. Yeah. You know, that might be a little expensive, but can kind of interact with it in some way. I don't think that that's above and beyond expectations. I think that that's totally possible.
1: I don't foresee it. I think I think they're just going to keep doing with... I think they're. I think what they're going to do is what isn't, you know, what's not broke. Don't, you know, don't fix it. Sure. I think that's probably what the, the approach is going to be.
0: Now, Nicholas does bring up Games Pass, and I do think you're going to see something like that out of Sony Next Generation, but they already have streaming, so. Michael Shama says, hey, Colin and Chris... With the SNES and NES classics selling out each time they go up for sale, do you think it's a viable opportunity for Sony to do a similar thing for the PS1, PS2, or the more intriguing PSP? There's no way to play PS1 games on the PS4. For Sony as a profit-first company, it seems to me like a wasted opportunity to capitalize on, on old property. As a gamer who grew up in the PS2 era, I would love to finally visit the PS1 games and return to some of my favorite PS2 and PSP games. Love what you guys are doing and keep it up. Thank you.
1: Here's a better idea. Uh, put those games out on PSN. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please. There's no please. Reason. Yeah, there's, there's no reason. No. There's no reason. Like the SN- I think. I think the reason why the NES and SNES Classic uh, sell well is because they are so burned into the consciousness as as something that is very nostalgic, and it's you know it's neat. It's it's more of a toy, really, right? Than anything else. And I think a PS One classic could be charming, but we already you could already play PS One games on the PlayStation Three. Just give us that again. Just let us do that with the machine that we paid money for and invest in constantly. Yeah, you're Just absolutely. Just do
0: that. You hit the nail on the head. There's nothing else to say. Spencer Legacy says, if you could trade one PlayStation-exclusive franchise for one Xbox-exclusive franchise, what would you pick? I would go with Gears of War. Yeah. I love Gears. And I would trade... I would want Gears of War, and I would give them... Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. That's not. seem like an even. Deal. Doesn't seem like an even deal. What do you think? Is there any? Is there? You're more agnostic than I am. Yeah, but still. I play kind of on everything. Yeah, so you don't really have. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I. It's a fun thought exercise. It I is guess. a fun
1: thought exercise. Let me let me let me think about it. I think. Uh, I would say, I'll take Uncharted. And give, cameo. <laughs> blinks. Blinks, blinks the time sweeper.
0: Ben asks, with The Last of Us 2 coming as soon as next year, I'm reminded of the incredible number of hours I put into the multiplayer mode online. Any thoughts on what you'd like to see added or changed to make the mode feel like a worthy sequel to the original? Did you play Last of Us online at all? I did. I did. I actually enjoyed it. Um, I don't
1: know if they really need to add anything, because again, it's not a multiplayer focused game. So I would honestly just be happy, as long as the single player is like stellar and like a leap above what we had before. Um... I'm honestly just happy with it,
0: just being the same, just I, like slightly better. I am too. I played the online mode of The Last of Us for 40 or 50 hours, which is incredible for me because I yeah, you I, don't play online. I mode. loved it. I thought it was so good. It was so different from what I had personally played in any multiplayer game before. It was, yeah, it was neat. It was deliberate and silent and scary. And you, yeah. it reminded. I got, I got scary good at it too, which was great. Like I'm not very good at online games. Like if yeah. my kill to death ratio is one to one, I'm like thrilled, like over the moon. <laughs> you know. And I was murdering fools in The Last of Us online yeah. for a while, and uh, really, really liked it a lot. Yeah,
1: no, that multiplayer is really, like, interesting. And it's, um, I feel like the only multiplayer that I've played that was, like, that interesting, and in it it's interesting in a different ways, because it's, like, asymmetrical, was uh, the original Splinter Cells had this, like, asymmetrical multiplayer, where it was, like, third-person versus, like, first-person guys. It was really cool, and they've never done anything with it since. It's so sad. Yeah. But, Yeah. I don't know. I'm just happy with another one of what we
0: got before. Honestly, yeah, yeah me too. Is that they, bad? Is that bad? Is that settling? It is in a way, I guess. But it's it, it's to what you said before. If something's not broke, don't fix it. And if they that was all about mood and atmosphere. And if they can just like that's such a mood and atmosphere. At least in my experience with multiplayer games, is not not a common theme. No. I, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't know with fucking people chattering, calling you homophobic remarks in the in the headset. It's yeah. it's hard for me to ever really feel that way when I'm playing most shooters. Matt Matlock asks, "What's Chris's favorite PlayStation exclusive?" Ooh! As we get to know Chris Raygun and his tastes here on <laughs> Sacred Symbols,
1: I have a lot of weird ones from a long time ago. Sure, stuff hey, like stuff like War of the Monsters, mm. which I think is criminally underrated. Um, uh, C- Crash Team Racing, I've said a million times. Uh, the, riddle, the original, I guess, Metal Gear is a multiplat now. Oh crap!
0: yeah i mean, well it's associated with playstation but yes, yeah. it is, a, it is a, a,
1: of of like of recent i would say hmm recently probably the last of us yeah and I didn't even really like
0: it that much oh boy <laughs> we're gonna have lots of interesting conversations about that moving forward i think some people <laughs> some people like reach out to it us. looks think, good the second one looks good people have tweeted at us though being like how like almost like an indignation being like how could you survive with a man who... Because I gave a Last of Us a 10 at IGN. It was my only 10 yeah. I ever gave out. And they were like, how did you... How do you, With someone that doesn't like it, I'm like, what do I care? Here's the thing. I, like, I, I can't have, have his own opinion? Here's the thing. I'm <laughs>
1: very aware that it is a very quality video game, and it's very good. I just think when that game came out, I didn't care enough about it. Or like that kind of experience. I was like, I just want to play a game that's more like gameplay oriented. Right. At the time. I've got... I've since... I'm actually playing through The Last of Us now. The remastered. Because I have it, right? I, I don't know how I got it, <laughs> but it I have even, it on my PC. Was it on Plus at some point? I think. Or? I think what it is is I'm game sharing, and I just. Oh okay. I think that's what it is. Cool. But uh, I'm playing through it. I'm liking it. I'm. I think I'm lost where I'm at right now, but I guess I'll figure that out.
0: I haven't played through the. I haven't played through the campaign. I think since like around the time it came out.
1: Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, also.
0: Nice. There's a naughty dog. Connection. These are all like really old. <laughs> really old. Amy Hennig worked on that game. Really? Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. Jazz Terrine, Tyag, I, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I've always had the impression that reviewers should finish the game before reviewing it. This week, Jason was called out about Octopath Traveler, though he said it will finish everything before reviewing the game. And then I heard you saying that you stopped playing Nino Kuni 2 because it got a war. And I reviewed Nino Kuni 2 for my channel. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is should reviewers finish the game first before reviewing it? We kind of talked about this earlier. We did. And that's that, this was the question that I was kind of referencing. Uh, I, I have a lot of experience as a critic. And I think that for the most part, yes, you should always strive to finish the game. But I also think that there are plenty of examples of games that you do not have to finish. I think there are are games, specifically Japanese role-playing games, where if you play the game for 40 hours, you've seen it. I don't really know that you have anything new or unique to say. Maybe you have some end game or side quest options that you would not get to see otherwise. But if if you play a Tales game for 40 hours and you can't write a review based on that, that I can't help you. And I and I think that it's perfectly valid that's to review fair. a game at that point. Yeah.
1: I think um I think you should definitely like <laughs> I feel like you should f- without a doubt finish the majority the overwhelming majority of things you play, right? If you're going to review them. I would say that's pretty fair. You know, you shouldn't be like quitting half of half of the stuff you're reviewing.
0: Right. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it Matt, I think genre matters, I think runtime matters, I think a lot of those things matters. If you're if you're playing a shooter that's t- 10 or 12 hours long, you have to beat it. I mean, but if you're, like, there are games that literally can't be beaten, and you're still going to render a verdict on it. Like, you can't beat an MMO, really. Yeah. And and those games are reviewed. So I think that people... Even Destiny think,
1: is, like, questionable.
0: Right, exactly. Of the raid and stuff. And the game changes. Like, they're dynamic. The scores have to remain dynamic because the games are being patched now and, and being, you know, updated with more content that makes them more robust. And and so I think that, you know, this is a great question, but I think you kind of have to look at it through a lens of, like, it just really depends on the situation. I rec- I reviewed Nino Kuni 2 after playing it for 30-something hours... And I was in I was in the game's last chapter, and I stopped playing for God of War. And I was like, "I'm perfectly capable of reviewing, oh giving you a fair
1: God, to this. I'm an idiot. Mm. God of War. God oh, of yeah, War with, I, of course. That was so good. So that's, that's probably that. No, that's, so that's your answer for your favorite. Okay, yes. Favorite <laughs> I, place. Okay. For some reason, it escaped my mind. I forgot that brilliant. I forgot that masterpiece existed that we just played two
0: months ago. <laughs> so yeah, I, do you agree with you're not really you don't have a background as like a professional critic, but does that make sense to you like? I, the one the one important thing to me, Chris, about this situation is that people know. Like, I always say in my review, this is how long it took me to beat it, or "Or this yeah, is how yeah. long I played it. Yeah. And then I, and you know, so, I, oh, you'll, you'll never find a review from me where I'm like, I, you know, I didn't beat it, and I'm going to hide that from you. Yeah, yeah. I'm always going to say, like, this is, I played it for 30 hours. You have to know the context of the review, right. I think. And
1: that's as much as you could really ask for, I think.
0: I'm going to skip a few of these. Yeah. Um, oh, we got a lot yeah I'm gonna just let's just do a few more okay Sean Mason says similar to the Mega Man Legacy Collections what classic games would, like, would you like to be released in, in a Legacy Collection format having never experienced Mega Man before it was a great way to finally experience these masterpieces for me it would be Castlevania similar to Mega Man I have never played these games and would love to be able to dive into the series Castlevania was, is definitely the next one for yeah, me ca- yeah That's, that would be my answer too I feel like I've gotten every other one that I've wanted honestly i've got i've got crash yeah spyro's You're gonna get corner. spyro and i'm so i'm, 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 I'm looking forward to spyro that's much more playable for me yeah like the collectathon shit as opposed yeah. to the platforming
1: yeah i'm i think that's pretty accurate castlevania would be amazing symphony of the night symphony of the night in like one as like a part
0: of a bigger package would be amazing it would be cool to see like castlevania one two three and four in one collection and then yeah like the metroidvania stuff
1: was there an odd world collection probably not
0: they, re-rele- they re-released. Oh, they re-released and/or made them. I think. Yeah, they did like new and tasty, which I I don't know. A lot of them are on Vita, so yeah. I think Castlevania is a great choice. You know, Chris, the, the great thing about the Legacy Collection is not only the access to the games because that's great, but Capcom puts a lot of love into the um, to the, like the the extras and the accoutrements that come with it, like the art and the music and and yeah, it's really cool. Like that's I think that's half of the what makes it so cool, and I'm so excited about the X collections and. By the way, the X Collections both had platinum trophies, which is awesome because the the Legacy Collection 1 and 2 didn't. They had garbage trophy lists. And I complained to Capcom about it, like, vocally <laughs> and, and in private. So, That's cool. So whether or not I had anything to do with this, I don't know. But I think I might have had something to do with it. <laughs> Peter McChrystal says, Until Dawn 2 or Bloodborne 2? Bloodborne, 2, Bloodborne. Which will be released first, if at all. Bloodborne? Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Yeah, Bloodborne. I, think, I don't think you're going to get it Until Dawn 2. I think that Supermassive, which is the British studio that made Until Dawn... Was clear that they didn't want to make a sequel, and I don't think you, it would have been. Did you play Until Dawn? Uh, I, I did. I played it with people. It's fan I Which think is it, definitely I, a different experience. I think that game was fantastic. Yeah, like I, I loved it. I, I, I couldn't believe. I kept saying supermassive out quantic dreamed quantic dream. Like I, they I made was, a, I was so frustrated when that game came out though because mm-hmm. everybody was like,
1: huh, "Yeah, you look like Chris from Until Dawn." Yeah. <laughs> like what do you what what and i looked him up it's like nothing looks nothing like me he just you, has
0: glasses and but, short hair that's but you sick. share the name yeah and the name good wow good job Ugh. Nathan Duong says any thoughts for a spoiler cast on Detroit Become Human and other PS4 exclusives and other games Detroit Become Human's too old but i think you can assume that chris and i will do very um game game centric episodes of the show yeah, I am playing around with the idea of maybe when Spider Man comes out and other exclusives for us to just do an episode about just that game. That'd be fun, and then make it like an irregular, like a I know, special I episode. know
1: for a fact I'm going to burn through that.
0: Yeah, me too. And and you know, I'm working on obviously getting us access to that, so we'll, we'll be able to do that at embargo, hopefully. So we'll kind of we would love your feedback, and I'm I, I think Chris and I are kind of on the same page that it would be fun to do more than one episode a week, every every so often when when it calls for it. So like yeah. Spider Man would be a nice big 90 minute episode that's just about Spider Man. But does that fit into a regular episode? I don't know. We have to figure that kind of stuff out. But yeah. Detroit, we're not, I mean, Detroit's too old. We're not going to do anything with that. now. Yeah. Connor L says, what's Chris's opinion on the Vita? We're really getting to know you today.
1: I never had one. I, uh, there was nothing on it that grabbed. I loved, I adored the hell out of the PSP. I don't know why, because it was comparatively gimped. But, like, uh, the PSP was just magical to me. I don't know what it was. Uh, something about those weird UMD discs. <laughs> How weird... It was just... It oh, was very God. strange. I-, I loved the PSP so much. It and, was very but, strange. But I feel like... When the when the Vita came out, I was just... <laughs> I just didn't have money. And uh, it just... I don't know. There was nothing on it that particularly said, like, oh, I need this. And even a lot of the people that I know who at the time were, like, really, really big PlayStation, uh, you know, devotees didn't even have a vita so i was like oh well maybe it's i don't know
0: schmucks <laughs> a bunch of idiots no there's nothing on it that like you, that necessitates anyone having it i think it's a great piece of hardware but it's 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 cool to be able to play games you can also play on playstation 4 and it's a very capable remote play device which is neat it definitely, yeah i definitely played a lot of games remotely on on it to great effect yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I feel
1: like I've never been... I feel like the PSP and... The PSP and the DS were like the exceptions for me. We're like the time where I... And I guess like pr- before like with the SP and like the Game Boy Advance. That was when I was like really into, into um, handheld systems. But immediately after the PSP, I felt like I'm satisfied. I don't think I need it. You're satiated? Yeah. I have a Switch, but I, it's, it's almost like... I have a Switch mainly because it's just an
0: interesting piece of hardware. It just is. fascinates the hell out of me. It is very cool to, like, take it out of the dock, put it in the dock. Yeah. I, li- I, I like it. It is very, um, very satisfying. Yeah. I'm going to give the last question today to Corey Christensen. Okay. Who says, I only play one to two games a year and play games on my schedule. Is there anything wrong with this? The hype of the games journalist makes me think you should have a backlog. I have now I have eliminated the backlog because it doesn't make sense. I don't have to play everything and I'll play games for the length and amount of time I like. Why should I spend a lot of money and time just to be part of the conversation? I'm now getting around to Horizon Zero Dawn, and the game is fantastic. I'm happy I waited because it has all the DLC, and I paid twenty dollars for one of one of the all of the all, for one of the all. I think you mean all time great games. It's better than Breath of the Wild in my opinion, and I just beat that game before I played this one. I agree with you. What do you think of this this idea of having to play everything of the backlog of? of I hate that term. Being part of the conversation. Yeah, well, I, I think you can be part of a conversation without pl- having played the game. You might have a different perspective or a useless, useless perspective in some cases. But <laughs> I, I agree. Like I years ago had to let go of this idea that like I'm going to get around to this game. I'm going to get around to this game. I'm like, I, I let go of that a long time ago and, and games just come and go. I'm like, I, games would I like, come into my purview to be like, yeah, I'll play Darksiders too. Yeah, I'll play Assassin's Creed, you know, whatever. And then eventually I'm like, I'm never going to play these games. Why am I even lying to myself? Uh, <laughs> I ha- fair. I did write down a backlog that I tweeted out the other day or put on Instagram like last week and I've narrowed it down to like 15 games like games that I really do intend to play but even then I don't think I'll get to almost any of them
1: yeah I don't know it's especially it's especially difficult now because as adults you're very <laughs> very busy and your time is very valuable uh, so yeah I don't know I feel like I still kind of have the backlog mentality where it's like I have to finish I have to finish this but I just like Detroit become human. I'm like I'm stressed because I haven't finished it, and then I gonna, can't because I gotta. I'm playing it with my girlfriend.
0: Right, and then you're gonna get to the point where you have to start it over again or something because you don't know what the hell's going on.
1: Uh, I, I fear that that's what's gonna happen with Prey. I feel like I'm gonna get far into Prey and then I'm gonna just forget what the hell I was doing. That that happened with Skyrim for me. The yeah, first time still, I played it, the worst, I, was like, dude. I played it for a long time and then I stopped and then I went back to it. And I was like, I don't
0: remember what I was doing or how I did it. It's 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 a hard thing you have to it's it's being consistent and sticking with a game and not being like 80 you know ADD about it which I think a lot of us are. Oh yeah,
1: I bump between games a lot. Yeah, I, pl- like, I play for like 10 like 10 maybe 5 minutes and then I'm like uh, I'm not feeling this, I'll jump to this. My god, it's so bad.
0: It's tough. So I I think you I think you're right on the on the money with the uh with the idea of like eliminating the backlog, eliminating expectations. Play games as they come to you. You we Chris and I are more intimately connected because of the show and our proximity to the industry and all that kind of stuff we play a lot of games but that's not the experience of most people and there's almost a vicarious amount of living by living to, listening to a podcast like this to be like well what are the people that are playing games playing and i think you shouldn't put any pressure on yourself to to you know meet, meet any goal or quota yeah it's about if you're having fun if you're having fun just playing minecraft for three years and just play minecraft i'm not judging you it doesn't make you any less of a gamer to me yeah no exactly i'm still playing like really really old <laughs> really old things. Yeah, leave. We'll jump on the grenades for you. Don't worry about, you know. Don't worry about that. So, um, Chris, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Kind of a slow week. Not too yeah, much. Yeah, there's news. not a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, we're like in the dead of summer right, right. now. So Yeah. So forgive, forgive, forgive us if uh, this was a little bit of a slow podcast for you guys. We're we're doing the best we can with the information. I could make yeah. things up next time if you want. <laughs> we'll just have a whole day that's like fake news. Yeah, just all fake news. All the, just a bunch of shit that's totally made up. <laughs> poisoning the minds of thousands and thousands of listeners. Oh my God. We appreciate you very much. Thank you for your kindness and your generosity. Remember, if you want to submit a question to the show, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. $2 and up a month uh, subscribers and supporters there have access to a thread each week where these questions come from. So you can do that. If you want early ad-free access to every episode of Sacred Symbols, again, ad-free and three days before the public feed, support the show at $5 or up a month. That's the cost of a $60 retail game every year you get 52 episodes of Sacred Symbols at least early, ad-free, and a bunch of other perks. I think it's a pretty good deal, personally. So uh, go check us out there. And if you're listening to us on free feeds, we really do appreciate that. Thank you for that. Consider leaving us reviews and kind comments. It does help us algorithmically. Yeah, no, it's a huge, huge boost. We are still in the iTunes top 10 in games and hobbies. Yeah. So we appreciate that. It really does help us. So you know, consider doing that. Even if you support us on Patreon, going over there and subscribing and just leaving us a, re- a nice review, is it, it goes a long way, and we thank you for that uh chris any big plans for the week uh not really I,
1: I feel like i feel like i'm just like really all i can think about is when spider-man's coming out and how it's like a month and a half away yeah it's close and it's I'm like, very oh, exciting. i need it
0: i need it it's very exciting It looks great
1: but uh that's i can't think of just like more more gym more writing more figuring uh
0: you know little adult things out yeah, the, the new uh, video is great. You guys can go check that out on Chris's uh, YouTube channel, Chris Raygun's YouTube channel. Hey, appreciate it. Really, really funny video. I watched it the other day. Your videos do more traffic than like one video of yours does more traffic than like 10 of my videos. It's funny. so <laughs> It's because I never post. People are like, what the hell? He's still alive? It's great. So congratulations on that. I thought the, I thought the new one was very funny. Thanks, man. So go, go check that out. Support Chris and his endeavors as well. And uh, we'll see you next week for more Sacred Symbols and hopefully have some more n- actual tangible news to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Th- things will start picking up in fall. Yeah. It's going to be like hectic in fall. I'm, I'm, I'm almost so sure. I'm excited about it. And and, and we're happy and, and honored, frankly, to lean on to your questions in the meantime. So it's not a big deal at all. So keep those coming. Keep the support coming on Patreon. And you know, spread the word. Thank you for your kindness. We really do appreciate you. Hope you have a great week. See you next time. Bye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Harshiv Bahia, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Spencer Brand, Isaac Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, John Burry, Alex Cabrera, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancato, Matthew Canoy, Shermer Carter, William Cashel, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Steve Clifford, Dan Clifford, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Nick Cummings, Daniel Diamore, Daniel Del Nicos, Mitchell Durkash, Luke Drake, David Ellis, Eric Finkenbeiner, Michael Fiore, Connor Gazian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Grablek, Richard Green, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Tyler Harris, Wyatt Henry, Andrew Hess, Josh Yeager, Paul Joyce, Jeremy Key, Nathaniel Khalil, Taylor Christian Laudren, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lewin Ray Loper, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, John McManus, Joe McPartland, Mike Menzel, Albert Miranda, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Brian Nietzsche, Connor Nesbitt, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Adam O., Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Reed K. Parker, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius and Peterson, Enrique Perez, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Lawrence F. Prokop, Eric R. Pryor, Jordan Ray, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Austin Riley, Ryan Robertson, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Petro Rose, Michael Sanchez, Matthew Savoy, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Mike Shaw, Rayanne Scheinabarger, Toby Shootman, German Sadu, Jordan Smith, Riley Smith, Alexander Suarez, Ahmad Tamar, Tam Tran, Kevin Van Ekren, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Chris Wong, Michael Wells, Tyler Woodall, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Super Shot ST, Casual Misfits Gaming, Madmock Media, Beric, Mubarak, Dav 9834, Chris, Donk2015, and Random Guy Radio.